0: Tim Spaces welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, September 11th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of... Fuck, I forgot to count them. There's a bunch, probably like eight parts, seven parts, something like that. Uh, C5 Space here. Be careful what you say, you never know who is listening. (laughs) What kind of title is that?
1: All right, let's take a listen. Hey, Sophie. It's funny, uh, with this title, nobody shows up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) With no tag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) It's like uh, the people that show up are the ones we should follow here. (laughs) Yeah. Spaces is a great uh, platform,
2: but uh, yeah, if you uh, approved. So I've been following the war in Ukraine through like... uh, the space that's been ongoing since the start now it's called the Maria report. And just now they've had like a chef from the front lines who runs like restaurants in Ukraine and all this other stuff. And uh, they have like, m- even they're even going to have like military people, like commanders on the ground on, they've had like people from NATO and stuff. It's been very free and interesting, like within OPSEC of you know, not revealing where troops are and such, but it's like the approved right. thing you can't, you're not really going to have like an ISIS one. <laughs> Available on on Twitter, so uh, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, oh, you're saying like you wouldn't be able to like form a little small military if you felt like no. It. You wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't <laughs> be able to
2: run a similar thing that was like uh, even uh, on the Russian side now because like a uh,
3: you know
4: it
2: would just not be accepted and would be uh, reported out of existence. Um, yeah.
3: yeah,
1: no. Th- this is this is why like uh, just seeing what happened to, for example, Bruce right. So this is why like I've been saying like the um cosmos for example um uh, needs like a constitution of some kind right like so because like once you get a like system big enough you're going to attract like all sorts of people who are like um little you know hyper regulators you know they they think that they're they're qualified or smart enough maybe to like regulate information and it doesn't really matter what sort of system you make or institution um there's always sort of like some drive for some people to do this and then ultimately and you know uh, some of it in the name of like more immediate good more obvious reasons but then on the other hand you get um you know other types of like perverse uh outcomes which are uh super interesting i've, I've seen many of them uh like over my career and you know, everything from medical to just whatever, just watching the world, right? Like so, uh yeah, it's 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 a very strange thing. And it's like, um, I think uh it, like yeah, it's like at the one point, like there was like a frontier mentality in the world, right? Where you could just kind of you didn't like a place, you could just simply leave, you could go like hide in the create your own little colony somewhere in some forest or whatever, right? Like, but that is becoming sort of increasingly more difficult for people who are um you know, you know, really on that kind of like uh they have like a really deep sort of libertarian angle. But uh yeah, it's it's interesting how easy it is on Twitter to say something that just triggers somebody and then they want to ban you or something. It's like and the bigger the account you have, like the more obvious it is that you're gonna piss someone off saying something. It's just it's just a matter of uh it's just a matter of time, right? Hmm.
2: Yeah, this is the uh sort of anarchist uh viewpoint. In uh, communism, you get these sort of bureaucracy managers in charge of everything with mass earth power. In capitalism, you get like middle managers and HR representatives and corporates that act as the state in certain situations like here. Um, Whereas with anarchism, you can step up to someone and say, hey, that's not cool. You know, people will have consequences for their actions. Um, So you can't just appeal to a higher authority. And so, yeah, cosmos and stuff—if that can enable these sort of things, that would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't. I don't
1: know if, uh, I, like, I don't know if uh, a blockchain can necessarily. Um, it doesn't really take care of any sort of like problem that wasn't already in the human race from that perspective. Um, I think uh, it's. Um, I've kind of been thinking about this like concept of like signal to noise ratio. I don't know if you know sort of what that means, but like if you. If you work in um, uh, fields like, you know, electronics and, um, like, communications, you kind of get this idea that, all right, like, um, y- you want a specific amount of, like, your signal, the in other words, the original information to transmit from point A to point B, and you want that to happen with as limited amount of, like, noise introduced into that as possible, so like for example, when modems came out um, and you were using like analog phone lines, there would have to be robust error correction so that every single you know bit and byte that was transmitted would be error corrected on the other end. They would use what's called checksums so that like the information is coded in, uh, it's coded such that like each block of information essentially is, you know, solves a, you know, is a solution for a mathematical problem and you know because the that solution that mathematical problem is unlikely to be happen randomly like the the checksum ultimately indicates that this packet has you know arrived accurately and it can be checked on the other end of the like you know, receiving end without having to have original knowledge of the original, um, information. Right. Uh, another example of this would be like when we talk about signal noise ratios, like let's say you're in a, in a music studio and you're recording, say, you know, the playing of a violin or something, you're trying to, um, get as much of the like sound of the violin recorded and you are trying to reject other things like maybe, um, you know, uh, people walking around in the room next door, or maybe like the din of the, the city that's around the recording studio and things of that nature. So, you, you know, a high signal to noise ratio would imply that the, the amount of true signal is, um, good compared to the amount of noise. And then you have like other situations, like really noisy environments, like for example, um, uh, like deep space, right. Where there's cosmic radiation everywhere. And you're trying to like you know, find out if uh, some information about some planet, you know, far, far away to see if maybe there's like radio signals emanating from it that um, might indicate, say, intelligent life or something like that. Or maybe you just want to like find out, you want to do some analysis and find out like, well, is there water on this planet or, you know, things of this nature. So, like the 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 ability to sort of like filter out the noise, um, it, you know, and noise filtering is like an entire science in and of itself. Um, and people have been working on that stuff for a very long time. We, it's it's part of the reason why, like, you and I can hear ourselves fairly well, right? Like, so there is a kind of natural, I would say, like, there's a natural censorship mechanism built into systems in order to make them usable. Uh, similar is true, like, in biological systems. Like, um, there's a substantial amount of noise that you hear through your ears, like, maybe you have a refrigerator in your house and it's like buzzing or maybe there's, um, like you're having a chat, but there's people, there's birds chirping in the background. Your ability to sort of like, uh, exclude that noise is part of how your brain works. It's like your brain is a specifically a like constant censorship machine in a sense that tries to direct your attention to that, which is important and try to, um, like pull yourself away from those things that are not important. Um, you know, like it's sort of like this idea that, um, you know, you can't really attend to everything at one time. Uh, this idea of focus in sentience, um, is such that like you almost have to have that capability. Otherwise like you would just be pulled in a million directions. You know, you'd you'd be able to accomplish nothing. You wouldn't be able to run away from the tiger. You wouldn't be able to, right. Do whatever. So there's like entire systems to help like bring your mind into focus and to do, um, and and to sort of like self-censor yourself. The, a big one is what's called the limbic system. It's uh, the part of your brain uh, below your cortex, which essentially uh, the cortex is like the thinking part of your brain, but the limbic system is the emotional piece. So uh, the emotional part of the brain helps you remember uh, certain things uh, based on the context of uh, emotional inputs and outputs. So uh like, uh you have to have this in a sentient organism i think because ultimately what happens is you have no basis again for filtering that information otherwise like for example um a limbic approach would be like uh so let's say you were to drive by a local gas station every day for your whole life right you're not going to pay attention to every car parked at that lot you're not going to pay attention to Um, the nuances of that place. You're not going to, there's tons of stuff about things you drive by every day, which you probably completely ignore, right? If someone says to you, hey, can you remember like what, what cars were parked at the local gas station this morning? You would say, I have no idea. I don't remember. But you saw them, right? You noticed them when you drove by, maybe. Even if you noticed them, your brain will quickly eliminate that data because the limbic system doesn't actually consider that data sufficiently important enough to keep in your head, right? If you keep like filling your brain with nonsense, like what ends up happening is is, like you just can't. Like there are people who have um, really, really, really good memory, like um, you know, this kind of extreme photographic memory, but they're not always more functional or more successful or more rich or whatever in life because the ability to sort of like zone out noise is actually sort of like an important feature of the brain. Like Um, but if you think about the same gas station that we just talked about, like imagine if an explosion happened there, you maybe had, uh, one of the cars blow up or something, or a gas tank blew, or maybe there was some event where there were cops everywhere and like, you know, blood all over the place, right? All of a sudden your memory is going to become very, very, uh, more honed in like the, 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 uh, your limbic system kind of kicks in the situations kind of emotional. You're like, oh, this could happen to me. I could have been in that gas station. I could have died or I could have like, you know, I'm not going to that gas station again, or whatever your brain starts forming all sorts of like layers of, um, ideas on this, um, concept, but like uh, an important piece to the, like memory is this like translation layer through the limbic system. Right. So the human mind does a lot of this, Um, so like when you get into this concept of like internet censorship, which is sort of like what this, uh, discussion sort of is about just because like Bruce's uh, account was like, (laughs) like closed because he said the word GIMP or something. Um, it's like the, the, the people on the end who are doing the censoring, um, you, you have to presume somehow that those people are sort of like. Uh, A, better than everyone else. Uh, B, you have to presume they have some sort of like really deep understanding, like some kind of like psychoanalysis or some shit. You have to presume they have an agenda uh, because like everyone does, either you're sort of like left liberal libertarian or somewhere in between. You have an agenda that's usually human, but that agenda varies dramatically based on sort of your um, sort of like based on your cortical, um, uh, structure and, you know, what sort of shaped your brain. So like the sensor is going to be sort of triggered by all sorts of stuff, depending on who is doing the censoring. Like, like you can imagine like someone that talks like me, like just like just what I've just said so far, you know, you, you can imagine that if I'm going to elect to censor some noise, you know, maybe I have a slightly different rationale than, um, you, you know, a, a very different person who doesn't sort of like understand these nuances of how the mind works. And I'm not even saying that that's a good thing, like that I should be a censor of some kind, because like, what you realize eventually is, is like, ultimately, uh, uh, censorship um, is, uh, is this assumption that you know, the future, because let's say you censor somebody and actually, you know, maybe they turn out to be right, or maybe they influence people that uh, accomplished great right things in life maybe you know you censored someone that would have cured leukemia but well now like nobody knows who they are and 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 that you know that little dream died you don't really know the outcome of uh you don't know the future outcome based on what we do in life right um this is the same like mistake that people that uh that like you know look at eugenics like have, like th- this presumption that you can see the future. And therefore, if I were to pick certain types of people or certain types of genes, if only I could like kill off these people who do these certain things, maybe the outcome in life is going to be better. Maybe we're going to have a, a human race that's uh like superior in some way, like these kinds of behaviors. The problem is, is like some of the same features that may make someone really a great like uh like analytical thinker may also have some of the same features that make them a serial killer. The problem is, is like the same people that might make someone really courageous, like for example, um you know joining like a special forces team to free like children from kidnapping right like like those like really extreme folks that have to exert like um extreme violence to achieve their ends like in some contexts, those people are considered courageous and heroes, but mentally, the type of brain structure necessary to like, convince yourself to, like, maybe kill a battalion of people to save a bunch of children that have been kidnapped, um, it's the same structure that can actually be used to, um, you know, convince someone to commit terrorism or some other, you know, nefarious act, right? So, like, there's this interesting thing about um, uh, the human mind or just, like, the mind in general in that, like, the very exact same structures that make it, make you very capable in one area, could make you very, very nasty in yet another area. So um, like when people, you know, like a a little thing is like in the United States, like there's this like, you know, wondering, like, why do we have so many like school shootings? And why do we have these weird things that are happening? Like there's other places that have guns, there's other places that have, um, you know, uh, uh, television, there's other places that have social media, why does it only happen in that sort of one space? And, And, you know, these are questions that really can't be answered in the like really easily. but there it, it, clearly, there's some totality that leads to these types of people emerging. And I think in my I, I'm a bit suspicious that like these are people who probably would have been more aggressively, like socially controlled in a sense had their voices been heard like in a public forum. But because censorship makes it so difficult for you to hear crazy people, those people can basically like fester in silence and then explode and do weird shit where you would normally have recognized them like, um, otherwise. So, yeah, there's, so anyway, my point is like, there's all these weird, um, sort of like, uh, uh, perverse outcomes to censorship that you may not, um, you, you may not think of. And in genetics, you know, there's a lot of censorship, right? Your, your, your error correction mechanisms in your genes are censoring mistakes and errors that your system thinks are errors, right? Like your, um, you basically your genetic machinery is always error correcting your DNA because, um, but at the same time, like there may be a beneficial mutation of some kind, maybe some mutation that allows humans to sprout wings or some shit. And that is also being censored simultaneously. Um, and only through death, through basically, uh, survival of the fittest in some Darwinian model, do the most useful traits ultimately that get through the censorship mechanism ultimately lead to evolution. So, it's interesting that if you were to say, oh, human beings are perfect now. Human beings are now, like, this is the pinnacle of everything and, um, you know, Ivan here is the most, example, you know, cutting example of human being where we're going to have, we're going to have a bunch of Ivans, right? The problem is, is, that presumes, we assume that we know the future, we know, we assume we know, like future environmental conditions, we assume we know, like, what genetic traits are actually going to help uh, survival for the next 1 billion years, all of those kinds of things. And, and basically, we've, like, if you look at the history of evolution, and you look at all the different traits that have emerged, whether it's like, dinosaurs dying out to, like, the formation of wings to the formation of the human brain, whatever, what you realize is that, like, uh, at no point in this analysis can you figure out how the fuck any of it actually happened. Like, you can't figure out what was that one thing that like made primate brains, um, you know, so cognitively powerful compared to everything else. Those those nuances you're never going to be able to figure out. And so, this idea that you can direct evolution into the future is largely just uh, to, to to some extent, it's largely hubris, and um, it could lead to like really really bad outcomes, like major mm-hmm. die-offs or major psychopathies or other sort of like mischievous, uh, preserve uh perverse uh sort of outcomes that you're never going to understand. So yeah, it's, it's super, this whole area is super
5: interesting. But yeah, Grin, go ahead. While I agree with like everything that you say, I don't think Twitter is really trying to guide and steer the future of humanity in any kind of way. It's just that they're running a business and businesses don't want the boat to be rocked because they don't want to get in trouble. And so they're just paying attention to a squeaky wheel here. It, you know, somebody gets uh, offended by somebody else's comment. They go through the pathway and it's much easier for Twitter to um, to just act um, to the extreme and and cut off limbs than it is for them to try. Yeah. Like you're saying
1: that, like the preservation of a status quo is is the most ideal Twitter to hit the shut off most of switch. the times. Yeah. So you're really that like the preserve preservation of the status quo is sort of like the best thing for the business because like they know they were able to get consumers using that that methodology. So it's like that methodology ends up surviving as the dominant form. Yeah. And, and actually, like what you can say and what you can't say is slightly different on each social media platform uh, and how you can say it, which is also super interesting. Um, but yeah, like uh, like maybe uh, you guys can comment. Yeah. Or. Or anybody can hop up. Ivan, Jake, you guys had some ideas about this? Like, What do you guys think? And you can actually tell a lot about a person b- uh, based on what they believe in what should be censored, how it should be censored and all of that. Like, um, I think most of you guys would want to censor someone that is trying to say, let's say murder your children, for example. Um, like, let's say they're trying to get a crowd together to kill off your kids, right? I think you'd be pretty uh, upset about it. And you're probably going to be you're probably not going to put your, your kids as the ones that are going to be like the, what do you, what do you call it? The the sacrificial lambs on the, on the, in the name of like a totally censorship free society. Um, it's, it's interesting how there's everyone has this like threshold where they're going to find that censorship is quote unquote. Okay. It's just like, it's just a fact. I mean, like you, if you dig through far enough, I can, I can make you want to censor people. I promise you. Like,
6: it's just, uh, uh, but Ivan, yeah. Or Jake, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Shoppy. Uh, Man, I, uh, I've been in and out of the hospital. I'm sure you guys called on me a couple of times to talk there. Uh, and, uh, every time the doctor walked in, I'd be like, Oh, better turn these guys down. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I'm not sure what happened with coach there, man. That's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, it just goes to show how many Karen's are out there running around. Uh, anyway, uh, well, it's, it's
1: kind of like, you know, if you're if you're any kind of account that uh, on Twitter that wants to push a limit, you want to participate and say, satire. Right. Um, it's the very nature of satire that you're literally making fun of, like something by making comments that are somewhat realistic. Like um, you're, you're, you're saying it in a jesting way, but like someone who doesn't understand the context of a satire is immediately going to be offended by it. That's just how that works. Um, it's like the whole point of satire almost it's like funny because it is, I actually find it interesting people that don't understand satire. Like for example, I am of one sort of racial group or whatever. And if I find that someone like makes fun of my racial group, I'm like, whatever it's, it's funny or whatever. Like there, they, I don't really necessarily take it uh, personally or something like that. Right. And, um, but there are other people that are it the opposite very personally. Um, there are the people that like make, say, for example, racist comments, who are either trying to be funny or goofy or some shit. And there's other people that are genuinely, like genuinely malicious. Like they'll do bad things to uh, other people of other groups just because like, they're just like, (laughs) they're just evil or whatever. Um, They're not all the same thing. Like they're just not, uh, they're just not, I mean, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, parents punish their children from time to time. That doesn't mean they're like, you know, they're wanting to do their children in, or they're like, you know, want to, uh, you know, so there's, I, I think, um, the yeah, there's a sort of wide range of uh, behaviors, and uh, it's uh, it's easy to kind of it's it's very hard to like figure out where the the line is crossed, so to speak, and by who, and for what reason, and determining motive. Like in courtrooms, when you have you ever been to kind of court, um, and you've gone to like criminal cases, um, like it's it's interesting how like the motive matters, right? Like it's not necessarily like what you did, but it's also why you did it. Um, What kind of like premeditation was involved? So for example, in a, you know, some kind of situation where someone might've died Um, and, and like assigning sort of like the level of murder, for example, is like an entire thing in, in like um, the judicial system.
6: Um, Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to judge people long story short of it. Right. And it's, you know, basically it's kind of along the lines, you know, the same lines of, uh, you know, like uh, the way the government's been wording things and how they've been, uh, you know, persuading, uh, you know, the younger generation to, uh, you know, go to this side or go to that side. Uh, you know, so I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, a thousand and one different ways to word things. Uh, you know, you can talk anybody into anything, uh, you know, uh it's uh it's definitely different uh
1: yeah another another interesting element to all this is just like the amount of noise in an environment like if you go to um say for example like so if you're on twitter and someone creates like um you know tons and tons of accounts you know bots and whatnot to just create noise and bullshit right your brain automatically escalates its filtering mechanism in a sense to say, okay, I'm going to ignore this one, I'm going to ignore this one, I'm going to ignore this one. The, the, the platform becomes less useful because the signal-to-noise ratio starts to drop. So, um, you know, on the one hand, people end up demanding some form of censorship. They're like, Twitter, what are you doing about all these bots? And what are you going to do about all these people that just like copy my account and and post a bunch of shit everywhere? Um, like, you know, when, uh, for example, let's say you have a crypto account, you tend to chalk on crypto Twitter, uh, you know, essentially with crypto groups or whatever. Uh, ultimately what ends up happening is, is people will copy your account and create kind of scam accounts so they can get you guys to sort of like you know, Oh, like send money to some address or something. Right. It's very common, like during the bull market, like these scammers come out and they start using quote unquote, like influencer copycat accounts and start doing this shit. Right. Um, And some of it's like plot chasing, like, Oh, like if I copy CZ of Binance or something, I can like make a fake account and people are going to follow it thinking that's the real thing uh, for whatever reason. And like, you know, create, create some different types of drama. So like the amount of noise in the environment is interesting, but like, you're never going to get rid of it. Like there's no, there's no algorithm. There's no perfect system that, that clears all the noise. um, Because uh, the amount of context you would have to have about a person to understand like, whether that's just noise or whether that's a real individual is actually really tricky. Like, (laughs) I'm sure some of you have had like, uh, like for example, I thought for the longest time, grin here was, a uh, like a puppet account of, um, Asparagoid. <laughs> and That's so like, weird. If that's if so it, weird. Grin's Like, I would have thought like you would have thought I was a real person. Like I was a separate person. Right. But I, I actually legitimately thought for some reason grid was, so it's like people. funny, like Twitter allows you to have like multiple different accounts, like posing as different
5: people. Like that's a funny thing. So, um, you know, people attribute invite. way too much. People give uh, Asparagoid way more power than he actually has. So, so kudos to him for having. Well, created, well uh, it's like
7: all you have to do is hang on, hang on, coach. Earned his power, fair and fucking square. Don't you start, grin, and uh, we we want it. We want it back. No, no, no. It- yeah, but somehow
5: <laughs> my my identity was subsumed into his, uh, according to other people. So I I don't know how the, the they credit him all the power that he had, power. but. Uh, but he he you know coaches great power um i wasn't always comfortable with everything that he posted uh, frankly you know it didn't match my value system but his, his great power was cu- his great power was cutting through that noise is he was saying things that cut through the noise uh, and the standard humdrum everyday
7: of twitter and got your attention can we just say um, okay. something? Let us okay. not talk about him in past tense. He will be back. Like he has to, like, yeah, yeah, we, we know he's gonna come back. And like the unblock is a cut because the G word that he used that got him banned is such a common goddamn word. Like I use it on a daily basis. Like it's this is so ridiculous that he got banned for using one word that just no. It's no. like
1: he 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 said the word gimp, which is funny like the good thing is I don't give a fuck what I say. Like the, the, you know, the reality is like, uh, like I I, I do medical work. Um, and even in, even in, uh, like that type of field, you're told, um, don't say anything that's going to like maybe upset someone about their religion or this and that, the other thing. I don't give a fuck about any of that. If they want to fire me, they can fire me. They can find someone else to do the to, do the job. (laughs) Good thing is like, my job is not easy to, to replace so we can, I can get away with it <laughs> <laughs> but like let me give an example I'll give you an example so for example if you were to walk up to me and says oh yeah my religion says um that um I should uh, like sacrifice babies and I should basically like you know maybe uh take their blood and like spray it on the wall or something I'm gonna be like, I don't have any obligation to respect your stupid ass religion or whatever, right? Like so there's a lot of things that people say <laughs> I mean, they claim, can I just say like, a counter
7: to that? I mean, yeah, the Spartans mean, got it right. Look at look at the Spartans. I mean, it sounds harsh. Like, yeah, they got rid of all the imperfections in their bloodlines and they lasted a pretty fucking long time. Like just say that like, was a really uh as an example I can I don't agree with, but there was something there, you know?
1: But yeah. Well my point is like, uh it's like it's fine, you can believe whatever the fuck you want, but like this idea that I have to respect what you believe, that's a whole nother ball of wax. If you're gonna tell me I have to sort of like respect every weird belief I encounter when I meet like, you know, thousands of thousands of people every you know, week or month, like it's not like realistic. And um, like, for example, I don't, I don't respect someone's uh, like ability to sort of like destroy the world trade center or something like that. Fuck that. Right. I don't like, I don't have any, like, I'm not going to like respect your supposed, um, like you could say it was a message from God or whatever the fuck you want to say. I don't care. Point is like, it doesn't mean I have to respect it necessarily. And I think that like, if you look at like how the workplace is these days, at least in the United States, It's very much like, oh, you have to respect every belief and this and that. The problem is a lot of people aren't like religious scholars and shit. Like you might go to medicine because, you know, you want to do like uh, you want to cure people of pneumonia or something or you want to treat their heart attack. Right. It doesn't mean you're like some sort of religious fucking scholar that you're going to be able to tell the difference when someone says, oh, yeah, the Bible says this or that. And the amount of people that have actually sort of read their actual religious book is small. And the number of people that claim to be like fucking religious theologists about their own shit is really high. And people believe the weirdest Facebook, shit. Yeah, people yeah, believe- Facebook,
7: that's, that's what caused all this shit. And I can give you another example. It's not just that it's anything that can be Diversified into a point where someone could turn around and be like, this is what I believe like fucking. And I'm sorry if anyone is a vegan here, but you guys have got such a bad stereotype because every fucking vegan takes offense when you start talking about meat. You don't even have to like shove it in their face. You just turn around like, yeah, you know, I I, I, I had a bacon salad. You can't eat bacon. That pig is as smart as a fuck. Fuck off. I've eaten it done. Leave me alone. (laughs) You know, I had some pulsate sauce to it. It was lovely. Like, yeah, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And you know, the funny
1: thing is they might be right and you might be wrong. That's the funny thing. Like, you know, it's not a question of like uh, perfection. Like you're not going to, det- you're not going to build sort of like this perfect universe where sort of everyone disagrees. It's actually funny. Evolution has, has had a hard time figuring this out too. Cause if you think about it, like the human mouth, uh, our teeth are a mixture of teeth that can actually eat vegetarian food and, uh, and can eat meat. Our digestive system, um, sort of like unlike the cow, which is basically like the stomach and the digestive system is not built at all to eat meat, it's been like domesticated to the point where it's like it can only eat uh cellulosic material or gorillas for that matter. Gorillas, uh, if you just look at the sheer quantity of cellulosic material, like you could not eat what a gorilla eats, right? Look how much close our genetics are, but look how far away our dietary habits are.
7: Yeah, they, really, they can eat right. branches and shit, can't they? Like they can probably yeah. go to town in a tree. Whereas it's obviously a... I think the appendix was for that at one point, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well appendix
1: did. had certain roles and also just like uh, certain um hormones that we have in our body like calcitonin, which um which is designed for like really, really high calcium diets, which we do we no longer eat as human beings. The point is like uh, and you can actually live without the 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 parathy- the, the gland that actually uh, the medullary cell uh, of the thyroid, you can live without it, essentially, it's essentially somewhat vestigial in that sense. Um, and but it's like, a rem- it's that that particular gland is present. Um, that particular cell type is present in lots and lots of mammals, some of which use the capabilities of that gland and some of which don't. But it's interesting, like evolutionarily, like our mouth has canine um, incisors, it has like flat for like, you know, vegetarians. So we, we actually have like the dentition of an omnivore in a sense like objectively and we clearly can digest and um eat meat whereas if you try to feed a lot of meat to a cow it would die right like it's it's like objectively biologically true that we are omnivores like you could have all sorts of philosophical reasons why the human race should go vegetarian and if like the vegetarians win then what will happen in the long run is like you look at like maybe half a million years from now, or some shit, or, you know, you're going to find that human beings are all vegetarian. Or let's say, for example, there just simply is not enough meat on the planet, um, or something like that, then you might have more vegetarians on the planet or whatever. So food and and how the culture of food sort of plays out is interesting. But yeah, the 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 this idea that ideologically, or biologically, um, there's a perfect way is just simply verifiably untrue because of 5 you know billion what? years of evolution. And even that hasn't been able to figure out what the right way to go is. Right. Like,
7: so. I actually disagree with that. I think the perfect way that would make and unite everyone in a dietarian way is when they, because obviously we're already doing it is lab grown meat meat that has never yeah. been conscious never been, and, and, and as expensive as it is we, so we've got to go in now don't we i know there's but like you know you know it's funny Chicken though onion.
1: there's a backlash against that too there's actually people that are like oh you know there's some outcome that's going to happen because this is negative because like you know we're going to have like some kind of monoculture of food we're going to have you know all sorts of problems there too which they're, pro- they're right about too so it's the funny thing is like like there is no right answer and evolution mm-hmm. actually understands this or, or biology simply ignores the idea that there's a perfect answer. And biology is just like this constant experiment where, you know, organisms just trying to survive in the
5: world. And it's they a shotgun, they shotgun, expo- it's a shotgun yeah. approach. We, it's got you a know, response, we try everything.
3: That
5: we Look at you when, with as far as the COVID uh, vaccination goes, I was happy some people didn't want to take the vaccine shots. And then other people did because that's more diverse possibilities of outcomes than if everybody did the sure. same thing.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, like I I, like when it came to like like vaccine censorship and whatnot. It's interesting. Like um, here's an interesting take on this: misinformation. This idea that somehow like um, you know, there's tons of misinformation about uh, medicine. There's there's I I don't care what type of medicine is, not even just vaccines. Huge amount of internet noise, right? A lot of nonsense out there that has very little verifiable anything to it. That's very very common, Um, and it's like almost expected. So but people real don't realize that when they post lots of misinformation let's say just some they like just made some shit up and just sort of like whatever their in you know whatever for whatever their intention is maybe they're like paranoid about the government or maybe they're paranoid about vaccines or maybe they're paranoid about whatever who gives a fuck point is like there's a lot of different reasons why people post or say a lot of things the interesting thing about misinformation is it actually ends up leading to uh more powerful central institutions why because the rest of the people who are like, they don't know what to think, they ultimately say, well, there's too much noise here. I'm a electrical engineer. I don't have fucking time to figure out what, you know, who on the Internet is actually true and who isn't. And what they end up doing is they rely more and more upon centralized institutions. So it's a weird outcome. People think, oh, like, if I just say shit on the Internet, like, OK, I'm going to like, like be the bastion of freedom or some bullshit. Right. What ends up happening is the opposite. You actually end up strengthening um, people's desire to use institutions to be the arbiter of truth because they want to basically have some filtered information. So it's a weird kind of interplay between like the amount of noise out there and the amount of censorship and how that leads ultimately to like, weird outcomes. It, like people that um, live in a fantasy land um, of like uh, of one sort of the other are, and, and don't really see the full picture are the ones that actually are the least effective in uh, creating like long-term Uh, change that they think they want to create. It's really weird. Like they oftentimes create the opposite effect of what they actually believe they're doing. Yeah, I saw it happen pretty extensively in a lot of different areas of medicine, specifically, and um, uh, it was like uh, really, really nasty, perverse outcomes. Uh, one of the biggest, most notable ones is the opiate crisis, and we can talk about that if you guys are interested. But like, uh, yeah, you before go
7: ahead. you do, Jeff, you might want to let you talk. He's had his hand up for like five, ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go for it.
2: Mm, I wanted to make some statements, and I would be interested to talk about the opiate crisis actually later. Um, the the point of genetic diversity and such is that the ultimate uh, the way we win is unity through diversity. So we will, as humanity, at some point, achieve the case where we view all truths as true to the person experiencing and and who believes them. So both the vegans and the meat eaters, uh, they are true uh, in their expression. Uh, It can be the case that uh, animals come into this world to be of service, to be eaten. Uh, It's also the case that uh, plants are even higher vibration than uh, animals or humans. So just because we can't hear their uh, screams, you could say, uh, doesn't mean they don't feel being eaten. Uh, They can also be of service to being eaten. Um, So yeah, it's the case that uh, once we stop invalidating people's um, potential truths, that we'll all get along, and so banning people and uh, these sorts of policing actions will not be required when uh, we respect each other's viewpoints.
7: So, Euro, um, you, would you just literally, just from that point, would you just say that we're all locusts, just trying to eat as much as we possibly can? Cause, I mean, I can get behind that, like you yeah, know, it's not, I don't like it.
2: quiet. You have to do what excites you within uh, integrity, which which means that uh, not hurting yourself or others. So. Uh, you know, if you're going to hurt yourself by eating too much, that's probably not what you want to be doing. Um, so, you know, everything with uh, how it's meant to be.
1: Interestingly, um, yeah, the, the the universe is uh, like quite sort of deterministic in the fact, in, in the idea that like, if you look back at like, why do, um, why did, um, why did flowers emerge? There's like some interesting work on like uh color on plants um like the teleology teleology is like the study of why something evolved the way it did as opposed to just like like observing why something is what it is so like why would flowers have evolved interestingly like the time period in uh sort of like the ancient history the kind of biological archive suggests that like flowers emerged um coincident with and simultaneously with the emergence of color rendition in neurologic systems of organisms of the time so like when insects started developing the ability to differentiate sort of depths of color there was this interesting counter uh, evolution that happened in plants to attract insects and animals to come eat them using things like fruits with different colors and such so like at this point if you ask like why do fruits and flowers and things have color I think it's somewhat patently obvious. Like they use it for reproduction. Like it's it's so obvious as to be like, you know, there's not a lot of other good reasons for like exerting energy in in creating those things if it wasn't to attract insects and animals to eat them and then spread seeds, right? In other words, plants essentially use the simple fact that they are nutrition for other organisms in order to sort of like evolve and spread their seed and such. And so yeah, it's it, so what happens to the, even to human beings is ultimately like we will evolve not just as a consequence of like maybe what we believe our values are and cognition will sort of drive some of those things. Like, because if we all decide to eat plants, we'll have a world that looks one way. We all decide we're going to eat animals. You might have a, a world that looks a different way. And that new world will then counter feedback onto our evolutionary mechanisms and create changes. So like, like if we get the Elon Musk world where, for example, we're moving to Mars or like we're, we're multi-planetary, actually what that will do is lead to dramatically divergent evolutionary pathways. So for example, if I have, send Chugs and Ivan and a Grin here off to vega to go live on some planet that we might discover right then down bro let's go then what will happen is is the the children born of these people will actually be ultimately the ones that can survive a deep space cosmic radiation and weightlessness and can survive like in those uh, whatever environments in the planet they get to but ultimately that planet's um like makeup is going to drive the evolution of the people there. So you would have, would you would have. A, in, in other words, you would no longer like if you wait a thousand years or ten thousand years or whatever it is, a hundred thousand years, the people that live over there will no longer um, uh, necessarily look and behave like the human beings that you think of today um, on the planet now. So that's you another could wait.
5: You could wait a hundred thousand years, but unless they can reverse a vasectomy on Vega, they are out of luck. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, uh, getting whatever. Uh, can, can, can I actually say something in regards to this because someone tackled this or some a project tackled that? What you've literally just said about going to Vega, unless you want to say something first, Eira.
2: Yeah, this is related to the the whole gray aliens thing. Interestingly, what I've come across um, as a uh, oh. as, just as a you know as a metaphor that we've created these uh, aliens to warn us about things like you know as a myth. Um, the the idea is that in a world which had massive ecological damage Uh, humans could only survive with genetic engineering and so we went and we uh, did a bunch of eugenics and uh, technology to give ourselves the means to survive and do space travel and then we couldn't reproduce so then we went to some other planet and uh, then we come back to earth to get genetic material for uh, to rebuild our race that's the whole hybridization program so interestingly this whole uh, eugenics uh, discussion um could be seen as uh and these alien discussions can be seen as sort of interplaying where we're trying to learn and uh educate ourselves to not go down these uh paths of homogenization uh yeah
1: yeah exactly cuz like it's weird cuz like we know that it would take uh-oh, untold millions of years for biological organisms to, especially uh, large biological organisms, with complex systems like humans to actually evolve to like be able to resist cosmic radiation, which basically douses us in radiation in deep space, right? Anything outside the radiation belts. Interesting how like Elon Musk sort of tends to self-censor himself about this, right? He talks about going to Mars, but he doesn't want to obfuscate or confuse the public that, hey, by the way, like, there's no reasonable way to survive on Mars for any significant period of time. Like (laughs) everything from the, the, the Mars dust to, um, you know, and the radiation and and poison and that coupled with like the radiation without an atmosphere on Mars is completely lethal to human beings, to our eyes, to our brains, to our DNA. Like you have to be basically in a coffin up there, uh, to survive. And then you have a whole nother layer of problems. Um, so yeah, it's like, uh, this multiplanetary idea is a veiled idea that you basically would have to do eugenics because in order to do this in a controlled manner where you can all get on a spaceship and go somewhere, you'd almost have to be genetically engineered to make it happen. Um, that's assuming, of course, like you said, this monoculture of genetic engineering, it, we're, we're just not smart enough to figure out all of the outcome problems. Not to mention, like, let's say you did get to some planet, right? you're not evolved at all to handle any of the biological stressors or gravity or whatever of that particular planet. So you're still fucked. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to like, you're going to modify, uh, you know, you're going to like breed a, a group of organisms that's specific to that planet, maybe, right? Like, how do you deal with that?
7: Well, Seth, there was a, there was a game that came out not too long ago. Uh, obviously, you know Obsidian because you're a Fallout fan. Have you heard of the Outer Worlds? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I played that a little bit. Did you ever get to the end? Because there was a big twist at the end. I did not.
1: Don't tell me. I probably should though. I still have it sitting ah. on my PlayStation or something.
7: <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you something about it that kind of like sparks like a problem that comes in the game. So it's not really spoiling all of the endings. It's just giving you like an argument. So they th- like in the outer worlds are what they're three generations in in the Andromeda galaxy. You know, brand new universe. Nothing in that you know solar system is native to humanity, right? And no matter what they eat. Because of the universe they're in, because of everything like nothing is nutritionally good for the obviously humanity in that area. So, where everyone thinks their bellies are full, they think they're getting everything they need. Only the shipments from Earth and everything like that were the things sustaining them. So, even though they thought they could eat the fruit on planet one and it was filling them up, it was giving them no nutritional value that their body could digest. So, they were actually all starving to death and nobody knew. And like that, that, that's one of the few twists in the game that you'll, you'll find out. Obviously, when you replay, there's so many more, but like going to another universe and doing all that, there's no guarantee that the people would survive anyway once they run out of resources, no matter what they grow. You know, the sunlight could affect the crops differently. And at that point, you know, the, there's no guarantee we'll make it. Like, you know, it's, we even, just it's even more
1: simple maybe. than that. Like if your body is actually like something like people have done some different like rudimentary studies on this, but your body is approximately one trillion human cells. Um, and approximately 10 trillion, uh, like bacterial and viral, uh, material, right. So not, not by mass, but by just sheer quantity. So all of those organisms, um, they survive because they're on earth, not just because they're in your gut or in your, on your skin or on your body. And if you kill those organisms through like sort of exposure to radiation or, you know, the wrong conditions over the long run, that has some impact as well. So we haven't even sorted that shit out. We haven't sorted that out on earth, like specifically when it comes Mm -hmm. to like, uh, when you get exposure to antibiotics or certain good bacteria that you kill and um, like preventing that from causing certain problems like clostridium difficile colitis and things like that. We haven't fully sorted that out yet entirely. And yet we're like thinking that, you know, so anyway like the whole yeah. uh, the eugenics argument i think uh, the reason why i bring that up sometimes is because it is it, it, it's as hard to figure out like where we should be as a species like biologically um but it's just as hard to figure out what to censor from a like uh, like what kind of parts of our behavior should be control or not control or whatever it's a It's a it's a very interesting problem set that nobody has any answers to. And like we're all just sort of flying by the seat of our pants. And like, I'm not so sure that like, I'm not sure what the um, like the social media census um, consensus uh, censorship mechanism should be or should not be exactly.
2: Moreover, with going to Mars, for example, I'm not no modern human has been out further than the moon is from Earth. So, we actually have no evidence that people can think as humans, can think, you know, have all the characteristics of you know, not we have no evidence that they were not even go chromatatorized. I've heard that um our spaceships and such, like the ISS have uh, human resonators that basically mimic the earth's signal. So, um it could be interesting to see what happens when we get a bit further out. Um, yeah,
1: thought, it, on on this subject of like you're talking about like kind of, in some instances, like where you put people to sleep for protracted periods of time, like this idea of like suspended animation or some sort of like reduced metabolic state to make it really far.
2: No, I just mean even to Mars, like you know you're further away from Earth than anyone's ever been. Uh, how does that affect your mind? Like we don't know, you know. I think no he's right. talking
7: about like a can a lot well, not a physical but like a metaphysical connection to the Earth itself, and obviously on the ISS they've got vibrational like machines that will replicate that of how it would actually. How your body would respond to the Earth, if that makes sense. Is that where you're going with your
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like it may be that people have a distinct Martian sense, like you know, a mindset when they go there, and it may be very uh, physical manifestation of being on a different planet.
7: So you're saying like a planetary effect on the human body, depending as and where they are in the universe.
2: Yeah, as so the brain is a very sensitive receiving instrument, uh, it could even have massive political changes. You know, people say Musk is an alien. For example, you know, why does he want to go to Mars? You know, he might be tuned into that frequency.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think uh, clearly uh, people's, uh, yeah, people will develop, like, if you move people sufficiently separated onto two different islands, for example, forget about going to Mars, they will develop a new culture based on the features of that island. They're going to develop different agriculture, depending on the features of that place. They're going to develop, like, odd, like, interesting religious beliefs that just emerge out of nowhere that just is unique to that particular island. And then eventually, like, you'll find that, like, maybe ideologically or politically or some resource reason, those two islands don't actually, like, have, um, you you know, they're they're so ideologically different or whatever that they're not particularly compatible. So, like, every sci-fi that you ever watch, like, it's like, oh, they went to Mars, but now they're, like, I think, the movie them that show the expanse is a good example of that. Like where, like ideologically, they're very different and now they want to have their own political will. They want to have their own freedoms. They want to be able to uh, not be uh, under the yoke of the earth or something like that. So yeah, all of that stuff is liable to happen um, and pretty much should be expected to happen or maybe like encouraged perhaps like the people of Mars are going to be different. They're going to do different shit and uh, you know, and and you sort of assume that from the beginning, but um, yeah, like another interesting point is like on the idea of like, like, uh, coma states. You had mentioned that, like, what about uh, you know going to sleep uh, for protracted periods of time using things like drugs? Um, it's fascinating in critical care medicine in the ICU. We found that like if you're on protracted uh, non-REM sleep, like with benzodiazepines, um, and we we have to uh, sedate you a lot for say for example really bad lung disease where. You just can't breathe sufficiently and you just have to be on a lot of drugs. Um, There's a negative outcome on the brain from that. Like the protracted non-REM coma is not sleep. It's not the same thing. You don't have the same like uh, electrical cycling in your brain. And if you do like MRI studies, like where you you examine people like a year later, you'll find that like there's cortical atrophy of the brain that can occur as a result of being in these protracted states to where like in the intensive care unit today, Cause it used to be thought by the way that like, it was really uncompassionate to put people on a ventilator and have them awake. Like, Oh, you know, they're going to suffer. They're going to cough and they're going to do this and that. And actually it turns out that like after the first day or so people don't really like, it doesn't bother them that much. Like if you have, if you ask them, Hey, would you rather come out of this hospital stay with your brain intact? Or would you rather be doped up during this? Most people would actually choose um, preservation of their cognitive function. And, um, you know, like I, I tell people that come to the intensive care unit, you're not here to be comfortable. You're here to decide whether you want to live or die. Like we're, we're like my priority is not your comfort, unfortunately. And and actually when you prioritize comfort, actually that was done in the nineties, like eighties and nineties in particular, we use large amounts of drugs to sort of like sedate you because the nurses and doctors, everyone thought that, every, you know, we don't want to torture people. We don't want to have them uncomfortable. So a perverse outcome happened where we actually probably ended up. Those years that people probably ended up having more brain damage from being in those protracted sleep states. But and and families, even today, like if they're you know family members on a ventilator and they're bouncing around and moving and coughing, like they'll they'll have this reaction, like, oh my God, they're suffering and they look terrible, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like if you're a non-medically trained individual, you're gonna want to give them drugs. You're gonna want to make that stop. You're gonna make You want your, you know, child or your, you know, your parent or whatever to be totally asleep. And so a lot of times what seems like common sense to human beings, like, hey, uh, we want to sedate these people so they're quote unquote comfortable is actually the opposite of what's actually true. And that's the other weird problem with trying to figure out like censorship and things like, um, you know, things like eugenics is that like a lot of times the things that we think are a good idea. Turn out to have bad outcomes that that um like don't work in in actual reality. So a lot of things in medicine, like common sense simply does not work. Like that's not how the universe is. Like you actually have to study this very specifically and look at it over long periods of time and then try to find some conclusions. And like a lot of times rush judgments using quote unquote common sense um, had been really, really detrimental to um in both directions. like um, I, I, there's like dozens of like little things like that that I have like. I do like lectures on to medical students and like doctors and things and talk about how like how messy the 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 science of discovery sort of like when it comes to biological systems really is. But yeah, the the sedation thing was just a fascinating reversal. Like now in, in a hospital, like uh, uh, assuming it's a doctor that knows what they're doing, they tend to try to keep you on the least amount of sedation possible, and that's considered pretty normal in critical care medicine today, but it was completely alien Uh, like maybe like in the 80s and the 90s. I think it was like uh, late 90s is when I was a student. And um, it was common, we were on heavy, heavy sedation for the most commonest, common of things. Very similar to like uh, this idea, like when you go to a surgery, right? You don't want to feel pain. You don't want to be awake during your appendectomy, obviously. But that does not translate to simply being in the on a ventilator just for general things. Like for example, lung disease or heart disease, like you don't need to be in that much of a coma at all times. So it's an interesting, like um, there's a, a nice arc of history. And I teach that because a lot of new students, they have no idea why we recommend what we recommend today because they don't have any of the historical context of what kind of problems happen along the way but yeah like all of these weird like things are just examples of why like in particular censorship like why the first amendment in the united states is the first amendment is because like um like there's always vast numbers of people that think they know they're right they think they're sure they're right and they're not always right which gets really you know
5: which gets really dicey but yeah grin go ahead uh, you've just reminded me a little bit about Twilight Sleep, uh, which was a protocol they used to give pregnant women uh, who were about to give birth. And it, it was meant to avoid them the suffering, the pain, the trauma of childbirth. And what it ended up doing was causing a temporary amnesia for women. And so they would they would give birth, and they probably still had the pain, but they just didn't remember it. They'd wake up and have this baby and be totally detached from the experience of having birthed and struggled and had the baby. And then as a result, they didn't feel attached to the baby or feel like it was theirs. It reduced like the bonding or something like that. Yeah. The struggle, the the whole process of giving birth to that child, like they're like, wait, whose baby is this in my arms? That's not my baby. So they stopped doing that. I think it was scopolamine combined with something else, uh, you know, drugs that are now used for date rape and so on, but they'd give them to the women during childbirth. Look up Twilight Sleep. It's a really interesting. And, <laughs> it would, and it if would you...
1: shock me at all if this is a thing. Yeah, I, I don't know too yeah. much about it, but it wouldn't surprise me just that people would think that.
5: Well, that's part of the thing. If you, sen- if you censor too much of an experience, then you may not do the hard work or you may not form the mental connections you need to progress. And s- <laughs> that, so that sort of goes back to what you're saying.
7: To me, that doesn't really make sense because no man has ever given birth. You get plenty of dads that aren't in the room when obviously, you know, the, the child's not being born or they've missed the experience for whatever reason, work, they work, they're abroad, you know, they're in a coma themselves. They wake up and they feel this instant connection with this child that obviously they've helped bring into the world. Surely this nine months in a woman's womb, they've developed a mental connection towards it and an emotional connection towards it. I understand obviously there is a that the, there is giving birth and there is that experience of, fuck, I've just destroyed myself to get this baby out. It's all worth it in the end. But surely it wouldn't have had that much of a detrimental effect on the bond between mother and child, because well, are you, are you are you a child. father?
5: Wait, 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 wait. Are you are you a father?
7: I, I'm personally not, no. But I did raise my okay. younger brother, so I pretty much acted so like I, his dad. So
5: I am a father, and I've I even though I've been aware of a pregnancy the entire time, even though I've been in the room when the child was born, I still have felt this you know weird sense of like not an immediate, not the immediate like I love you forever, I'll do anything for you type of thing, but kind of like this is a weird new creature. And what does this mean for my life? And, and having to learn and respond to it, being a dad, to me, I'm four kids deep, okay? But it's still, it, it took me until like maybe my second or third kid where when the baby come out, I already had that identity uh, and then understanding of fatherhood in place that I could more immediately love it. I think there's a learning curve and it's, it's not immediate. And there are a lot of fathers who, especially as a child gives a lot of early attention and preference to a mother, they feel disassociated from that child.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell how much of like, how we behave as men or women is like, there's a substantial portion of it's as biologically innate. And there's a substantial portion of it that is sort of like some learned behaviors. But we do know that like, even in the most primitive of situations without a whole lot of like enlightened societies, Um, most biological organisms can give birth and like rear children without a whole lot of complex, like, like, uh, educational or sort of like emotional frameworks. Like we're built to make babies. Like that's just what, like, that's what living things sort of do is like, um, like your first imperative in life is to make more life. So it's like, uh, it it happens almost no matter what, but yeah, like, yeah. To what depth do you sort of like analyze that? But I find it interesting too, like where, um. So, for example, like women will say, oh, you just don't get it because you just ha- didn't have to give birth or um, or like as if like nobody can empathize with somebody else just because they haven't done it themselves. Um, they say doctors get this all the time. Oh, you know, you didn't have a mom die of this particular cancer. So therefore, you can't understand anything about it. It's like it's just almost like ludicrous, like like the types of things people say um, or yeah, you, you don't have to necessarily experience that exact thing to empathize with people's uh suffering or problems or pain or whatever. Um that's also a weird sort of like guilt trip people do on other people that that, you know, like, well, you know, you weren't this particular race. You don't know how it feels to be persecuted or like, in other words, like, like you, you can't put yourself in someone's shoes just because you're not that exact, exact thing um is not necessarily not entirely true either for a lot of people. Although some people are way more empathetic than others when it comes to like their ability to understand other people's issues. Um, some people are just like ardent sociopaths or whatever like they just don't get it no matter what you say uh and they'll and they'll do like kind of cruel and unusual shit like and they're just built
7: have, have we lost
1: Sophie? yeah i had a little phone call coming i apologize um l- let me take that for a second uh, if you guys will yeah uh, let me add you as uh, uh guys as like co-host or whatever like carry on for a minute
7: i don't know how to work it so i wouldn't get it's it pretty me. easy <laughs> kind of like give me a sec i'll, I'll be back in a sec Okay, my mic's on. Do you want to talk, Yura? Because you've been on, like, fucking hold for, like, 50 years, so <laughs> I'll be quiet.
2: Uh, I wanted to mention something for Sefi. I'll wait.
7: Fair enough. Anyone else want to talk? Like, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, quite a deep discussion. Like, I see a few people that are always in there. Sefi, and uh, a, I'm just going to call him Coach, because I have never remember what his handle is. Uh, a space, like, that. Dana, uh, who else? Fucking... Actually, no, it's just Jaina I recognize, to be fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyone else? Wants- oh, Grover? Grover, say hey, buddy. You want to talk? Uh, I guess not. I'm, I'm
4: experiencing something really, really weird
5: where I cannot hear anything that Yura says, and it just drives me batty. You know what? I, I,
7: I had that the other day, so I just left the space. It just kept timing out.
5: So it's turning it into a him or me type thing where like I have to leave so if he can be heard. I don't understand.
8: I'm,
7: tra- I'm trying to approve Grover now. Is it, if it's, is it letting me approve Grover? I mean, is Grover in? Oh, here we go. There you hey, go. Can you guys hear me? Hey, Grover. Me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, buddy. It was just uh, my Twitter shit. So.
1: Yeah, what, um, uh... it's interesting. Like when I tried to make a phone call, like Twitter now disconnects you and then you can reconnect to spaces now. So you're not totally rugging the space but um, you have to hit this reconnect button. And as long, I think as long as a co-host is like live, technically the hosts can sort of come back, which is weird. I don't know why you can't just hand off the host to somebody else, which mm. would be kind of obvious to me, <laughs> but whatever. Can you <laughs> hear me now,
7: For The Same reason that uh, Twitter is saying that there's no bots.
1: <laughs>
2: can you hear me now, Grim? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, we- yeah, I heard you. Okay, yeah, cool. amazing. I don't know. That is so right. weird. That worked. So anyway, um yeah, anybody that has like comments or thoughts or ideas yeah. hop right up.
2: I, I wanted to mention the the we were talking about pain and sedation and stuff and metaphysically experience any experience you get in life is meant to be sort of incorporated, integrated and learned from. And if you don't do that, then it comes knocking louder and then it can be louder and louder until it becomes painful. Um, And so uh, in the same way, uh, if you sedate someone, they don't get the benefit of that learning and they won't get that message. And then um, they will just prolong their illness, which I think is what's driving a lot of the opioid crisis, because quitting opioids is very tough. Uh, Withdrawal and um, physical and even mental dependence and such uh, sorts of sedations. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you can integrate everything, you will be totally disease-free, and that works because uh, <laughs> it works physically as well. Like if you have, um if you're sitting badly, um, then uh, maybe your back is going to be like, hey, you should improve your posture. After some time, if you don't listen to that, it'll start hurting, etc. You have know, bigger problems as time goes on. And in the same way, to tie back to our original discussion, is that if you don't let people protest peacefully, they'll protest violently, and uh, that's why our removing coach needs to
7: be undone. So thank you. We're out to that. Yeah, um, it, it,
1: the, the opiate crisis is an interesting story. Um, so back in the late 90s, when I was a student uh, in the United States specifically, what ended up happening was um, there was this kind of like push um, by like the medical boards um, to sort of like solve the problem of maybe inadequate access to pain medicine for people that were suffering or people in hospitals not getting supposed, you know, pain relief. Uh, And, you know, granted, there are wide variabilities in people's response to pain beds. Like some people you can use a lot and it barely affects them. And other people, you can use tiny doses and they'll stop breathing, right? Like there's a pretty wide variability. So it's not a surprise, therefore, that like there's a good chance that imperfect pain uh, control is going to happen. Like it's a given, right? It's just part of nature. So, instead of like conceding that, well, it's a hard problem, what they instead said is, well, we need to salt, we need to like make pain the fifth vital sign or some other bullshit. And they created like a happy face chart on everybody, every patient's thing where there's like happy face to sad face and like a scale of like one to 10. Like, where's your pain on a scale of one to 10 and we're going to fix it, right? And um, it, it was this kind of like this idea with small studies that, um, hey, look, when pain drugs are used for like uh proper pain control they're not particularly very addictive like there's no way this can be true like there's no like there's no universe in which that's likely if you look at a, a desert island that doesn't have say for example alcohol or opiates and you didn't know what they were right you're not going to become addicted to these things you have to have like access to them to some extent um if you have a world where like um it, so in other words this idea of like abstinence or something um, is probably true um, that you probably won't be an addict if you don't touch these things more than likely right because a lot of people if you think about it like when they start alcoholic drugs they don't go into them necessarily thinking i'm gonna i want to get strung out and uh like you know uh, have really really bad life as a result of becoming say an alcoholic they drink casually and this and that and they sort of get dragged into it, right? So if you look at pain drugs, what happened was, is the medical boards in the United States were starting to sanction doctors if they didn't like supposedly treat pain properly. They said, hey, we have a hotline. If you have like a a doctor that doesn't give you enough pain meds or something or, you know, whatever, they will um, like kind of like uh, reprimand uh, a physician or something like that, right? And um, so that became very, very prominent. So the, the path of least resistance for doctors became, well, shit, like I'm not going to be called some kind of like, you know, torture or something. I want to control people's pain. I want to solve this. So guess what? Like that led to a lot of people um, giving way more drugs than they probably should have. And, you know, that led to like something in the neighborhood, like 70,000 deaths a year for a few years that culminated in this sort of like late opiate crisis and a substantial amount of addiction to to, to drugs, outpatient, like even for heroin and other things. So, um, it's like, it created this sort of like, um, consensus to create like, um, that was like, oh, you know, like you're not going to get addicted if you, if you get these things for various reasons. So clearly like the amount of exposure matters and the more frequent people are exposed and the more easily you have access, it seems to have an effect. So then- uh, but the point of all this was not so much to talk about opiates, but the, I, what happened um, early on regarding, like, the makeup of the medical societies. So if you look at medical societies in the United States, you go to any meeting, like, I don't know, uh, AMA, American Medical Association, or American College of Chess Physicians, or anybody, like, there is a strong sort of, like, left-wing bias in many of these institutions, and um, because it'll go, the, the narrative will go something like this. Oh, well, we got to help um, this racial group or that racial group. Or we have to help this group or that group that's suffering. And if you say anything against that, it's like, oh, you must be some kind of like, what are you, some kind of tyrannical monster? You don't want to help uh, you know, Mexicans. You don't want to help you don't want to help uh, people that are suffering. You don't want to help black people. You don't want to help this group and that group and na- native Americans. It all gets, it all ends up being like, Oh, like, let's figure out some niche group we can fix. And instead of like saying to asking important libertarian questions, like, wait a minute, does it make sense to regulate this? Like, does it make sense to um, like, uh, you know, create rules where there doesn't don't need to be any, um, is there a reason to believe that human beings won't just sort of like, you know, you know, like sort of just, uh maybe make the right choices on their own, right? So what ends up happening is when you have like uh, these organizations, they tend to become polarized and unidirectionally political. And I don't mean from a voting perspective, like, oh, like, you know, they all vote Republican or Democrat. I'm just talking about like things like just differences and uh, like methodologies to what should be regulated, what shouldn't, how it should be regulated, to what extent what's considered acceptable, what isn't. Those kinds of nuances, when you have like, we don't have sufficient numbers of say libertarians in these medical boards, you're going to have this tendency toward to make more and more rules, more and more regulations. And if you look at the United States in general, the amount of legalese and regulatory bullshit has like increased exponentially, like to the point where it's just exploded. And um, so like what I noticed was as a student, I was like, wait a minute, I'm kind of more like maybe um, libertarian minded um i'm fairly like probably social liberal and uh, and somewhat fiscally conservative in my mind i think so i'm kind of middle ground i'm i'm definitely more on the libertarian side of things um and you know, I thought to myself, I don't know, does it, this rule doesn't make any sense. Like, like, how are we going to be sure that this person's not just not going to get too much pain medicine, this, that, and the other thing. So I had all these ideas in my head of like, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't pass a sniff test. And, but then again, like, what are you going to do? Like the the system has decided that it's going to punish you unless you do certain things. So then, uh, later we had the opiate crisis and now like if you go to a doctor, it's hard to get a fucking pain drug for anything because like, uh, uh, that things like the pendulum swung the other direction where it's like, Hey, we got to fix this opiate crisis problem. A lot of people died. Um, so it, it tends to swing like the pendulum tends to swing in the opposite direction really far as well. And, um, I, I think ideologically, if we had more balanced, um, governmental institutions if we had more balanced quasi-governmental institutions like medical boards um you would have a better sort of like heuristic um like group of the the decisions that are going to be made are going to be made perhaps in a more balanced fashion where you have different types of methodologies of thinking that go into the decision as opposed to say like let's say for example like chug's point of like let's say like all the people in the medical boards tend to be taken over by vegetarians, right? Like you can imagine that's going to create some directional force where, you know, any, any kind of like medical science that comes out that says, let's say maybe meat is good or something. It's going to be, it's going to be like, Oh, they're going to like, they're going to hurt. Maybe. um, They're going to look more harshly at that kind of data compared to something that might favor say uh, a vegetarian diet or something like that. So these ideological varieties um, if you look at institutions today, like they t- have a tendency to lack ideological variety in, in lots of different, um, but isn't spheres. Isn't that what
7: we want? We, we, I mean, I, I understand the whole point of ideology, but when it comes to science and this, this is my opinion on it, it, it a couple of spaces ago, I joined, we were talking about politics and you, uh, you, you were talking about, uh, I forget who the, uh, the American dude that was advising Trump on COVID is, but like how... Politicians don't know anything about the shit they're representing because they don't that they've never worked in it. They don't understand medical things, but they'll still make rules up for the medical, you know, medical community that they have to follow. Surely what we want is we want a panel of people based on hard data. They're not looking at pushing their own agenda. They're not looking at trying to force everyone to sway one way. It's just this is what the data says. This is what we're going to do If the data changes. We'll change it. I think I yeah, you're not going to find
5: those people. You're not going to find those people. Every doctor problem, I know it? brought every doctor I know brought their own ideology. I'm a pharmacist. OK, so every doctor I've met and I have met a lot and worked with a lot of them, um, they all bring their ideology, ideology to the table of what they think is right. They, do. they bring their. So there's no there's no escaping it. Finding this perfect panel of people who are going to divorce themselves from their own opinion and do only what the hard data says. I mean, a lot of time there's hard data here it's and hard bit- data here. And, and people yeah, are picking and choosing which data they want to believe. And so it exactly. all comes down to what they believe.
2: And how exactly. do you the, get the that sig- data the and signal... what data you use and all the ideology behind that as well? Is, um...
1: Exactly. So so the data is produced um, with various ideologies in the background, right? Like you have, on the other hand, um, uh, you, the de- so the production of the data itself has a motive behind it always. Uh, And then simultaneously, which data you decide to pick to um, use for your uh, decision making has, you know, uh, components. And then there's the people that are actually doing the analysis afterwards. The hope generally is that these go through so many layers over time. And by the way, you can't eliminate this anyway, Grin. So it's not like, oh, yeah, you can find this perfect panel. I'm just saying, like, there is very limited focus in governments uh, at um, purposefully trying to bring in ideological ideologic diversity. Um, Jonathan Haidt talks about this in like currently in American universities, like the vast majority of it's like eighteen to one left to right balance in terms of ideological um, uh, like balance in terms of professors and um, faculty on um, staff. It's it's amazingly um, far left as far as United States university settings are concerned. So what ends up happening um, is like. You need to have universities purposefully say, hey, we're not just here to like create like diversity in terms of like different racial groups or maybe different um, types of talents like music versus sports versus science or whatever. You have to actually um, ultimately, if you know that like there's a su- substantial bias in one direction, um, are, are you is it rational that like let's say a, a institutions like far right. Is it rational that they're going to purposefully bring in people on the left to balance them out? Or is that something that has to be decided at an institutional level by a bunch of libertarians that say, hey, look, we need to have, a, you know, we need to bring this back in line, right? I think the United States Constitution was special in that, like, a, a high proportion of libertarian minded people were involved in its creation. But they knew that, like, almost instinctively, like, that wasn't going to be the case with all the institutions and whatnot that followed. And that's exactly what happened. Like, a lot of um, institutions have become um, politically polarized. And therefore, like, people on the right, they have a tendency to be highly skeptical of sending their kids to these various places. It's an interesting, um, interesting paradigm in the United States that's developed. But Height actually has what's called the heterodox index. If you guys want to check that out it's like it has an index of like uh schools and and whether or not they have committed to the idea of a number one free speech no censorship but also b um i forget what it's called the fire contract or something it's like this form like this the boards of the schools signed certain um uh thing that suggested that hey ideologically we believe in free speech and that we want um to not like affect the admissions process for example or who can speak on campus based on their particular ideology. Uh, and Haidt is actually a admitted liberal, and he's actually um, ringing the wording bell to liberals saying, hey, look, uh, this is no good. It's going to lead to chaos. It's going to lead to a drama that you just don't get yet. Just because you have your echo chamber or whatever um, doesn't mean that that's the right way to go, and um, it's going to lead to the demise of... Um, you know, certain types of education, certain types of knowledge, and this is an unwise choice. So he kind of created an index so you can look it up and see, hey, what universities, you know, are ultra left, which ones are ultra right, which ones are kind of like down the middle, which ones have um, committed to sort of free speech as a general principle. And, you know, those things can change over time, obviously, but super, super interesting index. And Height is a, um, a great thinker, I think, in this um, arena. And I think he has like, philosophically, he has a lot of a lot of what he's saying is very libertarian. He's like a left uh, libertarian in a sense, and I think he does make a lot of sense. And um, um, how how to sort of like foster uh, ideological diversity on whether it's social media, whether it's whatever is is um, it, it's it's a tough problem to solve. And I don't you have to have like people who are committed to it. I think Elon especially is like he's noticed this problem, right? Like this is why he. Uh, like he's like fuck it if all these if all the people that are liberal are acting like crazies i'm going to go ver- republican or whatever um no matter how fucked up um that choice might be um so he goes back and forth with like maybe he doesn't fully agree with the the opposition but he's like you know what i'm going to vote for them anyway because like the the side that i usually vote for has gone off the deep end or something so i think um he gets this like problem of ideological diversity and this is why he kind of like tried to rock the boat with the twitter takeover kind of thing um I kind of wished he did. I don't know what happened exactly. It's but. still
7: going on. Uh, there's a court case. That they're trying to force him into buying it. It's quite, uh, quite amusing. That's so funny. <laughs> like he's he's got what he wants because like all you have to do is tweet hashtag lunkc. sorry, dollar lunkc. And you can see a fucking bot within three seconds, and another bot liking that bot, and another bot liking that bot to try and go. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. It's like it's it, it's so like achievable. In everything he's claiming in regards to bots, that I don't know why they're arguing. Like they should have just left it. Like uh. it's
1: funny. Like you know, I I'm, I think I'm sort of like reasonably ideologically diverse. I think um, you know, and I and I kind of like mm, understand why there, this should exist. And people ask me questions like, "Hey, why don't you go do you know? Why don't you run for politics or something? Why don't you like um, run for office somewhere?" And the problem is, is that rational people like myself um, who speak like this, right, are not the type of people that really survive politics very well.
7: <laughs> like, no, you're, you're stabbed in the back. any chance, like, yeah, you're sitting there trying to help the people and someone that's out for power themselves, they're just going to stab you in the
8: back. Like, that's, yeah, that's not it's,
1: yeah, the entire process of politics leads to sort of like um, having to make promises you can't keep and all sorts of shit. And um, it leads to ideologic enemies. And when, now when you have enemies, you have to sort of behave differently than you did before because you're, you're now on the defensive. So like, yeah, there, there's this like complicated problem that like where it's hard to get good people who have a well-rounded mindset to really oh. want to bother going to politics this is why we get such shitty presidential politics and American politics. Generally speaking, is because like between the media and social media and like what it takes to get there, you're going to have, you're going to select for the like people that are just the weirdest possible choices. Like, like what business does like old man Biden have being a president? Nothing. Right. He has no qualifications whatsoever that make any sense, but yet there he is. Right. So like, like this kind of thing is a problem in um, in politics is that like you're not going to attract the people who you believe you want to have running a country or whatever.
7: Going back to something Grin said earlier, how we could never find the perfect, you know, panel of people that are not bringing their own ideology into it. I, and this isn't an insult. This isn't meant to come across as like derogatory. To everyone, but what about people that are sociable, but heavy on the autistic spectrum that don't lean any sort of which way they just literally that they're, they're, they're puzzle solvers. You give them a job to do. They, they want to get on with a the job. They can still function socially to a point. Yeah that they, they would be the perfect candidates for pushing change. And I, as harsh as it sounds, like, you know, autism's on the rise, let's be real. Like, you know, more and more people coming out with proven levels of this autism. Sure, maybe, maybe that's like, you know, <laughs> society, not societies. maybe that's a, like uh, a balance in the ecosystem of people trying, of, of nature trying to go, here you go, here's your saviors. Fucking listen to them, they know better. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's,
1: there's, there's decisions that, again, this is the same thing, ideological diversity. There's decisions that need to be ma- made, perhaps divorced of, um, emotional, uh, context, like, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Let's say you, it's all these impossible situations. Like, let's say in order to save the human race, like the, you had no choice. You were in some position, you're, you're on the moon or some shit. There's no food left. And the, you know, saving the human race came down to like, okay, there's like 10,000 people and you have to let 9,000 of them starve or everyone dies. Do you choose the equitable solution, which is like, okay, everyone gets the same amount of food and we all die together. Or do you choose the solution that like, okay, um, credibly, we have some situation where if 10% survive, we can sort of like repopulate the earth or some shit, some, you know, some crazy story like that, right? Anytime you have these extremes, you do have situations where you have to like make decisions void of emotion because like obviously if 90% of the human race you had to choose to perish, um, a lot of people who are more emotional thinkers are going to have a really hard time with that choice they're going to have a hard time making the choice hard time, you know, executing on that choice. Like, holy shit, like, or or all of that. I think there's some, there's some TV shows and stuff like that that explored this idea, but it's really, really 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 difficult to make those kinds of wicked, bad choices.
7: Well, wasn't there. what's the TV show with the meteor coming down? Uh, Obviously, the TV, the movie, uh, I don't know if it's Armageddon or the, oh, I can't remember the other one. one one, Elijah Wood. The one with Elijah Wood at the end and like the meteor hits the earth or some shit and there's no surviving it. And like, you know, Selected people from a lottery end up in a bunker, like you know, to survive the winter that's coming from it. Like, yeah, it, it, it's something that, like, let's, like I'm an emotional thinker. I'll try and save everyone. I'm not, I'm not going to lie and bullshit. But if it came down to it, but like, right, get people in the bunker, done. Get the most healthy, you know, you know I me, mean? get them in there, and we'll try and fix it on the top. But if we can't, at least we've got the backup plan. you know
1: what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I've I've witnessed enough death in my life. You know, as a critical care physician, I have to I come to grips with the idea that people are going to die. And they're going to die no matter what you do. They're going to die regardless of your intent Um, and no matter how good of a job you do. So I think I have maybe mm, a pretty I I have a pretty balanced view of death. I have to deal with it every single day. I have to deal with like the emotional elements of people dealing with death all the time. Right. So I think uh, that probably provides me with some context to be able to handle those kinds of choices at some level. Like I know we're like I know everyone in this room right now, everyone in this space is going to die at some point. And I can I can come to grips with that right at this moment. And therefore, like if you look at the long arc, you look at the the future of humanity or something and you say to yourself, Okay, I have to make a decision for the long term. I think I could do it maybe more than you could, perhaps, just because you admittedly like you're like more emotional. Um, I think yeah, I could I probably handle it maybe a little bit better than you could and still be able to sleep at night. Okay right oh don't get me
7: wrong i'd be able to switch off and sleep at night but at the same time i'd still like you know during every waking hour i'd be trying to find the way that helps everyone but i'd still like I'm, i'm 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 quite a
8: uh i'm
7: i'm neutral i'm a balanced person so i i would understand that this has to happen yeah fuck it sucks but you know i i i i and, and I know you've heard me chat shit about throwing people out planes and stuff like that. So you know I've got the sense of humor. But on a serious note, I think I could go to bed at night knowing I've done the, my best job at that. I've ensured humanity's success. Let's, you know, if I, I just make sure I go down with the ship. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're in that level of power, you can't, you, you can't hide I yourself away that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in
1: other words, if you're the only survivor and like you, you sacrifice everyone else, that's a certain type of sociopath in a sense.
7: Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, that, that's when like, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Like, you know, just me and my family plodding along It's like, oh, OK, well, this is this is but great. then You know,
1: the, the person that's willing to make these kinds of decisions, by the way, is the one that's going to get the political support. Right. So you end up being in the survivor group unless for some reason you decide, OK, I'm going to be in the one that the group that dies and you're going to make these complicated decisions to someone else going forward.
7: Well, yeah, I would because that's that's the most complicated decision you can make is who lives and who dies in in the entire yeah. species. At yeah. that point, it's like, right, I've done my job. I've selected these people. Fuck it, you know what? Someone else could take the reins now. Fa- I'm gonna a, f- yeah.
1: a fairly a fairly decent TV show um, that uh, like is a sci-fi kind of show that addressed a lot of this stuff. Um and like like took it to sort of like another level was like 100. I don't know if you guys have seen that sh- that. TV
7: yeah, to, you know what the American acting, no offense in that show, yeah. can be a bit shit. But I it actually watched the got, final it got better. Yet.
1: It got better after like the first season. But yeah, it's yeah, no, at the I, I, beginning I it was kind of like a bunch of amateur actors. I agree. <laughs>
7: But yeah, it well, it's Australian uh, stars actors, isn't it? It's, it's, it's trying to do American accents, that's the amusing part of oh, it. Oh, is <laughs> that what it was? Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Stars just hire like all these random Aussie like uh performance art students. It's like uh Spartacus and uh Black Sales. They're all Australian actors, most oh, for the yeah. most part. And that's like uh, to be fair, a lot of them are big now. A lot a lot a lot of them are really big now. But uh I haven't seen the final season. Is it worth watching?
1: I think the entire series is pretty interesting. Like they, they, like I, it, you have to get past anytime you talk about sci-fi, you have to get past like, you the know, shit, yeah. yeah. Suspension of disbelief and stuff like that. But like, yeah, it did a pretty good job addressing this issue of really, really tough decisions and who makes them and why, and like how fucked up they are and how they mess you up. If The, the more tough decisions you make, the more it messes you up as an individual. Right. Like it, Anyway. I think
7: Clark got away with it though, didn't she? Like, you know, somehow she just yeah. always managed to be this like alpha, you know, hardened female, like what do they call it? One hater or something, the bringer of death. And it's just like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You imagine like a whole
1: species calling you that. You're like what the fuck! <laughs> but that's what happens if you. Anytime you get to a position where you have to make uh, life and dis- decisions for lots of people, you're obviously gonna um, have a lot of people hate you for obvious reasons. Like it's just that's just how, that's just part of the game, which is why yeah. like it's almost like you have to have that like autistic emotionless maybe even sometimes sociopathic behavior to even be able to get into those positions to make those kind of decisions, which is
5: why sort of you get the politicians you do in a way, right? I want to step in because somebody said something wrong on the Internet. And before I go, I just want to say that just because some autistic people seem to be able to distance themselves and make more logical decisions doesn't mean that they are also... Like unbiased, I have a no, relative. I have a relative with Asperger's who gets hung up on what he believes, and he'll talk to you for hours about what he believes, and he won't like listen to anything anyone else has to say. And there are autistic people that just like scream and yell and encounter any stimulus. So yeah, I mean, there's good. certain type <laughs> yeah, of of course you've Grin, got this you've got this idol, idolized like autistic. No, no, no,
7: no, 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 no. no. I didn't say all autistic people are the same. I said those that can have those traits that you know, are there to solve the puzzle, and that's it. They use the raw hard data. I, that's that, that, that's what? why I specifically said I'm not there to like you know. Do it. There are there, there are those out there like you know it's proven like there are, you know some that. That's why I said function on a societal level but their main objective for them is that and i'm not saying every autistic is the same because they're, they're not i've got autistic friends myself like you know i've got one mate that rock climbs every single day because that's all he wants to do and like you know nothing can deter him from it and he's quite high on the spectrum and you try and take him away and like call him an addict and all that he starts getting all fidgety and angry and all that sort of thing so no, no, he just it makes, makes little clawing
5: is. motions of the arms like he's like he's trying to <laughs> climb the air
7: literally uh, yeah it, uh, the only way to get him away like from when you it take a, a dog out of
5: a pool and they're, and they're still swimming in their mind
7: but but other than that he functions like a perfect like you know he, he's normal in, in every other way but that's the level of autism he's got so like, I wouldn't say put him in a fucking table and go who lives and dies well, and solve well, sometimes when,
5: when you look for people who can work only in the terms of logic or that they're going to work only in the terms of logic sometimes you end up with like really weird outcomes like uh, this one utilitarian guy who we have an overpopulation problem we have a world hunger problem the solution is eat babies right right so, you
1: you can you can you can create essentially like an ai terminology a computron some some sort of like weird like outcome where it makes it like makes some logical sense, but at the same time, it makes like on some emotional level or some uh, other long-term level, it makes zero sense at all.
7: Remember, I did yeah. say that have social skills. So I'm pretty sure if they've got social skills, they're not going <laughs> like... to be very ready. Again,
5: you're trying to create a panel of like the most perfect, like excellent people ever. Why don't we just have that? I don't know how <laughs> or, you filter for that or, or create that. Yeah. Like, in, in, and Andy, you just end up with uh, w- w- the diversity part is probably good, but most institutions are perfectly happy keeping their bias, you know, and. Uh, when you tr- you you end up just with a sort of majority rule of no one knows how to work the middle anymore in America. Nobody knows how to go across the the table and negotiate for different points of views. It's only my way or the highway and uh, social but it's, media. Ray, has really... So
1: also, it's also political consensus. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you know how to do it. You have to be able to willing to put your neck on the line and take all the flack for it, too. So it's not it's yeah, it's a little bit you have to have like this um, self-destructive. Uh, streak about you in order to sort of succeed in politics. It's weird.
7: Okay, so yeah. let me revise Take what care i said then.
1: Yeah, let oh, like it Yeah, have a good day.
7: Revising what I said earlier then. let's remove autism out of the spectrum. No pun intended. And let's let's focus on so for example, I identify as both a capitalist and a socialist not because i am both of them but because i represent well because i recognize there are strengths to both and i was literally saying this to my younger brother on the way to ironically rock climbing today maybe i'm the autism guy that i was talking about but uh it was uh, i i want to see a world where people are competing with each other but in a fair way do you get what i mean because competitiveness obviously breeds you know social you know progression scientific progression uh, you know economic progression whereas the fairness allows the weaker to be brought up by the strong so that they strive to be strong and then obviously humanity isn't becoming lazy but it's also not being spoon-fed so maybe getting people that literally sit smack bang in the middle through a, you know the shitty personality question uh, yeah questions. what you're
1: saying is like you on the one hand like you don't you prefer a you don't prefer a pure survival that fit a society right you don't think that like uh, no, I for think... example, it, 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 you would almost have to be like quasi-socialist to be like in medicine, for example. Like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give a exa- uh, uh, sample of why. Like, if if you believe that like, you know, the evolution of the human race to some like super like being of some kind was the most important thing in the world, it actually makes no sense at all to treat any medical illness. Like, it, it makes more sense to allow evolution to take its course, nature to take its course. And like, if I have some reason why my body can't handle pneumonia without antibiotics, then like I should just simply die because then other people whose genetics, you know, favor the ability to tolerate that kind of thing, uh, you know, it's going to like accelerate evolution. In fact, you can make the argument that medical science actually slows down the process of evolution because we actually allow people to survive to the age of procreation where they would not have otherwise made it, right? So like there's this interesting like divergence between um, like, so like a lot of people in medicine think, oh, I'm not a socialist or whatever. I don't have a uh, thinking that, you know, goes in that direction. But like, I think the human mind, like we mammals in general have, um, different types of imperatives. One is it's the individual imperative, like I want things for me, the pack mentality, like dogs and, and whatnot, where we have like our local group and our local family matters. And then we think like as a civilization, which no other organism on the planet does, where symbols and authority and a few of these kind of like uh, newer structures came about to sort of create allows for civilization at large. And there are those imperatives, right? Like each of them um, are are a little bit different. Um, There's no scenario where you can make perfect individual liberty while also having a functional society. Um, But on the other hand, like, if you just look at, like, the most militant libertarians, right, how many militant libertarians, you know, that literally completely devoid themselves from all society, they don't use any human tools, they go and, like, literally make knives out of rocks, and they go and live in the fucking wilderness and, like, you know, eat berries or something. The reality is that most people are, um, you know, talk a big game, but they're really not, um, they're not able to survive out on their own like truly as a pure survivalist, like in those TV shows, like most people prefer to have like roads built for them and this and that and the other thing. Like, so like people are only libertarian to an extent. Um, Like only a small fraction of people are true, like ultra hardcore libertarians. So most people do tend to favor some form of leftism or some form of rightism or whatever you want to call it. And and some mixture of those value systems, so people are generally ideologically balanced. Um, most people are not um, ultra extremists uh, necessarily. But in politics, the problem is message uh, is the problem. And the strongest message tends to survive. And the signal to noise ratio, raising the signal um, to so, so that a lot of people vote for you is usually based on some sort of unified message. And if you say, oh, well, I'm a middle ground guy. I think there's parts of this that are good, parts of that that are good you don't really have anyone specifically voting for you. Um, This is a common issue in democracies is that there is this like automatic polarization because the very people who are likely to run are the ones who have a specific message that can attract a voter. Because we know like in U S politics, for example, when there's a lot of issues that are kind of like whatever, like people like minor issues, like maybe like, you know how wide your road should be in front of your house. Like people don't show up to those meetings. Like they don't show up to the, like, that like they they show up to vote for all the complicated like the big the central politics yeah. stuff but a lot of local elections get almost no participation at all
7: so isn't it a bit <laughs> like gun laws like like you know you, the, the reason why no one says and let's be realistic no, no one major turns around and says we do need new laws that are balanced towards people they just go no we want to ban them or yes we want to keep them second amendment like is it second or fourth amendment i always forget but, uh, like, well,
1: in the US, first is uh, freedom of speech uh, as far as the US Constitution.
7: But what's the right to bear arms? Is that the second or fourth amendment? Right to bear arms, second. Okay, fair enough. And, like, that, that's a big voting topic in America, isn't it? It's uh, a lot of people bring it up saying, I want to ban guns. And the other person says, I don't want to ban guns. Rather than someone turning around and going, I want to introduce fair law so that only stable people can use guns. So that little Timmy isn't going around, you know, blowing people's heads off, like, because he's had a bad day at school. Like, and joke.
1: the problem has been though, that like, it's actually hard to identify little Timmy who's going to shoot up something. So the, 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 this is the issue that emerges. I think um, interestingly, like, I think if you look at the long arc of history um, it, the right of a, if a population is largely armed, um, reasonably armed, it actually at least enough to like kill a small band of humans. What ends up happening is, is the probability of that particular country being invaded is really, really substantially reduced. Like, I think someone from Turkey was on here the other day, and I was surprised to know that like a significant portion of Turkish families actually own a weapon. Um, you know, and you know they're always at the the mercy of like you know Russia nearby and this and that, and th- they're not interested in like you know people invading their country. So that prevents, like, some of the mass warfare problems, if you look at uh, significant, like, dictatorships and such that emerge, like, you know, Nazi Germany and whatever, um, it it oftentimes begins with, like, um, getting rid of people's arms so that it's easier to um, subjugate them, right? So this right-to-bear-arms idea, I think... um, you know, uh, the regulatory piece where it's like, oh, we don't want school shootings. Like who the hell wants school shootings? That's not the, that's not, nobody wants that, but a larger war. So anytime a war is involving like an invasion, like Russia, Ukraine, like, do you think it's more likely? So let's say every Ukrainian was armed. um, And let's say, um, you know, sure, there's going to be some school shootings in Ukraine, or there's going to be some sort of crimes committed. If you look at the total number of, Um, deaths during peacetime due to gun violence, it's really relatively small in the grand scheme of all the things we die from, um, versus when something like World War I, World War II, and and other major wars happen. So there's definitely a deterrent effect um, of small arms to larger scale warfare that kills way more people. But So when you have a population like the United States who hasn't really had a major war on um, continental United States soil in a long time, uh, what you end up having is is you end up having a group of people that uh, are in disbelief that anything could ever happen. So when it comes to gun politics, you end up talking about things like local events, like a school shooting or something like that. Um, whereas if you have a country like, let's say, the Ukraine, at this point, if they could go back, they'd, they'd be like, "Well, we probably should have armed every man, woman, and child, right?" So just like,
7: before you go on, uh, someone like the, called Ukraine. Gonna, Ukraine is free. No, yeah, like uh, Ukraine needs you. Is I might trying to talk you. Ukrainian as well. Uh, go, ahead,
2: so, you um, you, go ahead. And uh, I wanted to mention that uh, actually, uh, Ukraine had nuclear weapons. They were made in Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainian engineers and scientists uh, for the Soviet Union, and they were given up to uh, Russia in 1991 for not very strong security guarantees from america and uh the, the russia so um if ukraine still possessed nuclear weapons uh this conflict would not be having. uh another case
4: yeah uh, you so know, it really we're gonna get
2: going and uh, furthermore i will mention that uh twitter account asparagoid must be unbanned thank you 100%. That.
7: <laughs> that being said though do you, just because there's a ukrainian deterrent sorry a ukrainian Uh, nuclear deterrent doesn't mean Russia wouldn't have invaded because let's be realistic like Putin's not in his right frame of mind right now he's turned something like 60 percent of the western world against him obviously there are still some countries supporting him because they rely on his oil but if you know the west find other ways and other energy efficient means of producing you know energy that you know the, the, the west can adapt to the other countries will probably fall in line behind them and you know abandon Russia that he's He's literally turned the whole world against himself. That's not the that, that, that's not the mind of a stable man. So just because obviously, you know
1: Or like it's not even the it's not even the mind of a, a stable country to necessarily like uh automatically say they're gonna attack someone with a nuclear weapon. So like even if Ukraine was armed to the teeth with nuclear weapons, their options for actually using them are fairly limited. Um, you know, because they would have reprisals in kind and they have more to lose. Because they're a much smaller landmass, so it's like um, you know, it's almost like would 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 it have served as a turn either way? We don't really know for sure,
7: but um, yeah. I think anyway. the, fact the whole world is united against Russia right now. I don't think so, because yeah, you know, why would he be scared if if he's not scared of the entire world? Why would he be scared of Ukraine? Uh, you know, are Ukraine with nukes, like you know, the rest of the world. Never, nevertheless,
1: to... you can imagine if uh, if you're a Ukrainian today you probably wished every single man, woman, child was armed at this point, right? Like, that would have been... It would yeah, be a no,
3: I do really agree with that. It's the opposite of sorry.
1: American politics and worrying about local gun violence. Just wanted to pop back point.
2: in. Uh, no, this would absolutely not happen if nuclear... Uh, they were had a nuclear deterrent. Uh, absolutely. This, um, If you look at what happens with uh, Russia uh, interactions in foreign uh, politics, anytime anything happens, they will issue a threat on their uh, uh, broadcasting... Like, You know, oh, uh, Poland's gonna be next. We have nukes. Who would, why would anyone do anything against them with nukes? Uh, if you look anywhere, um, and also there's been no conflict between nuclear powers, um, in uh, like ever, so um, there's your evidence, uh,
7: yeah, yeah, not like the North Korea, are literally turning around now, going, We're gonna bomb people like preemptively, yay! Like, they've yeah, literally the, said the that.
1: evidence so far is that if you have nuclear weapons, that you're probably not going to be attacked so easily. Um yeah, no question about but, that.
2: i Just wanted to uh give that note uh before
3: heading out. Thank you. Cheers. See you later, you off. Cool. talking.
1: Ukraine, what's going on? Hey guys, how are you doing? Yeah, what what are your comments on this like uh this direction of discussion? <laughs>
8: well well, Slava brother,
1: Slava.
9: Slava. We were are talking about the guns in Ukraine. Um If you if you count all the guns that were sent to Ukraine, every Ukrainian would have five guns. The problem is, the guns are now in Europe. So all the uh, criminal, how do you call it, the 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 mafia, the guys, uh, they've been selling all these Ukraine guns back to the streets. So Ukraine had enough weapons, but they went back to the streets in uh, Europe. Oh,
1: so so you're saying the locals were selling them for money. Yes.
7: That's interesting. Wow. That's, I, I didn't, I mean, I can understand why like, with everything going on, but you know, if, if everyone's got five guns, they need five guns. Like I'd sell, I'd sell three of my guns. If I had five guns, like why, why would you need five? And literally- uh,
9: even when you're even when you're on the run and you got, uh, you, they acquit you with uh, for self-defense, but when you're at the run and you're going to the border, and a lot of who been in Ukraine uh, from Poland to Ukraine, know if you go thirty m- kilometers out, you can sell all the shit you have and just get with money going to Poland.
7: So what you're saying is Russia has kind of forced you guys to migrate out, and you guys are making a bit of profit on it, and that's kind of like. What well not you specifically, but a lot of Ukrainians that can't fight or won't fight. So that they're, they're literally cashing in the weapons that's been given to them to fight, migrating across and they're just being done with Ukraine or Yeah, that's that's about
1: 30, 40%. Yeah, 30%. And I'm not Ukraine by the way, I'm from Holland. Super, super interesting. Yeah, the the dynamics, uh like there's what you think's gonna happen, then what's actually happens oftentimes are two different things. That's what's so difficult about like predicting what to do. Uh, with any particular situation, it's really difficult. It, where you, you has to go, but he's like wanting to jump back on because he's Ukrainian. Yeah, so. you
2: guys to jump? Hey, you it. go ahead. <laughs> 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 like initially, when when the uh, the big you know huge columns towards Kiev for territorial defense, yes, citizens were given guns, and yeah, I'm probably, I'm sure some were sold and made their way to Europe a large amount of donations are to the military though, and the military knows where all the guns are, and they are not going uh, to uh, that place. Uh, They're not being sold onto the street from car boots, but there will be individual cases where that does happen Uh, and they will be uh, if they are actual um, donation shipments, as what happens with uh, America and, you know, land lease coming into effect, uh, then this will certainly be investigated. But uh, please don't Think that they're going to put any tanks or any uh, guns donated by other militaries um, and sell them
7: off. Can you imagine just going to the Polish border like I I sell your tank? Uh ten thousand. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> like flog off a panzer for like thirty like yeah, for a million straight off. They're like fucking yes. I would you know, I'd fly to Poland just to get that tank, put it in a nice little storage unit and get it shipped over. Who doesn't want a fucking tank? Do you know I mean? maybe I'll get a,
9: right <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of it's running in crypto uh, currency, huh? Don't
7: forget that. A lot of it's not yeah, crypto. It's like, a lot of it got donated, didn't it? Like Shiba didn't they they donated like something like what is it, ten million in crypto just to help you well fund the Ukraine effort. Yeah, they did. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> these these uh, interesting outcomes are, are so fun. Like you um you Rob, what do you think uh, would be like uh, besides the nuclear weapons story like what do you think like would have been the maybe a, a preventative mechanism for avoiding like invasion like what you, you like do you think this had to do with like these this idea of Ukraine Entering NATO, or do you think uh, it wouldn't have mattered? Like Russia, you know, Russia had its eye on Ukraine either way.
2: Like, so, what's- It's very simple. There are all these cases. Yeah, throughout history, uh, you can see the imperialist um, uh, Russian, uh, uh, the the Muscovy area against uh, Ukraine, like the forced, uh, the the for- the only major forced, um, what's it called, famine, uh, in modern history where people died. Um, all these other sorts of things. But I think fundamentally, if you are my opinion, this is a very big and fairly costly, but maybe not as costly as it could be, uh, education to the world on narcissism. Because the world needs to understand uh, what narcissism is and how it affects people and families and nations emotionally. It's very simple. Putin's just a scared little narcissist man and he's at the head of a mafia. And so he just uses his power to get is emotional narcissistic supply that's what's going on now the world is going to learn that i just want want to say
7: something just just remember the title of the airspace you never know who's listening
2: yeah yes i understand um but uh yeah so once we just realized that um people some people do stuff because uh they have a negative ego that needs to be fueled uh by control and domination um because uh powerful do not need guns to uh get their way um yeah uh so uh yeah i think that's my um understanding of what's going on and uh the world is kind of realizing uh and learning where ukraine is on the map and uh why uh yeah, people from there are considered quite smart and uh, brutal. Uh,
7: to be fair, if well, fiasco actually taught me about how important Ukraine actually is, like with all the farming, agriculture, raw materials, everything like that. Like, honestly, without this, I I had no idea. I just knew Ukraine was by Russia, you know, by Russia, by Poland, what but like Ukraine, so important. To I the world.
2: would uh, have to. I, I grew up in Australia mostly and uh, i had to sort of describe myself as russian because people didn't know what ukraine was uh just that's how um yeah it's a big education thing you know uh strap in and uh learn
9: it's it's funny because um we didn't only take uh, ukraine people to holland and england uh at a certain point Uh, Two months later, we also got Russian people out of Russia who were scared to live in Russia through Litawa and then through Poland because they don't want to be anymore there. And it's very hard for a Russian to go out at this time right now because, uh, well, that's like, uh, I don't know how you say it in English, It's, it's, it's death row actually almost.
3: Yeah, yeah, you really saying they're really being
7: intimidated in. to stay in, so that the, the real news of how everyone's taking it doesn't go global, sort of thing? So like, there's no, um, there's no evidence in Russia because it's a very propaganda, state-ridden sort of like you know country, isn't
9: it? Sorry, so, I didn't get that.
2: It's like North Korea with internet,
3: like yeah, the, yeah. yeah, Literally, that was the best way. I was actually thinking that I should just simplify it. I'm sorry. Wait,
1: Russia is North Korea with internet or Ukraine? Russia. Russia. Oh, I see. Interesting. So like the, but the, uh, the, yeah, it, it's hard to know what the sort of average Russian thinks about it any more than like, it's hard to know what the average American thinks about, I don't know, going to Afghanistan or something like that. Right. Um, it's like, there's this like m- big political machine. That's always at the top of everything. And it almost doesn't matter what the local individual thinks for some of these in- some of these sort of like power exercises. It's really, um, it's kind of fascinating how it all plays out, but it's uh, the, yeah, I I kind of feel like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to tell, like, looking retrospectively, yeah, besides just the nuclear disarmament of Ukraine, like, w- was there any other sort of, like, specific catalysts? Um, it's so hard to tell when you're looking outside in. I have no idea.
7: Well, the, I was reading up, like, you know, the classic conspiracy theories about, like, how... Putin is this like really special Christian and he's got this really special belief and there's a village in Ukraine that I, yeah, I'm sure like you run those and like he really wanted part of Ukraine because it's this amazing Christian birthplace of some sort of prophecy or some shit and I was sitting there going okay this, this can't be right but you just never know with these psychos do you like <laughs> <laughs> like you guys know what I'm on about don't you you guys have read this bullshit like surely surely you guys know what I'm on about you right you must know
2: yeah, um Putin's um, not, not, specifically, not particularly but yeah. I, I think goes.
1: Putin has a bit of a sweet spot for I think the the Christian Orthodox Church somewhere. I don't know too much about that's it.
7: it yeah, no, you know it, Seth. You know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. Jesus and Christ and like... And I'm not saying that's
1: necessarily like a, a good or bad part about him. I just don't know anything about it. I just but I think that was an element like there was a kind of like um Russia and China are both a bit against sort of like the um I don't know the proliferation of sort of for example islam in their respective countries um they're they're not too happy about it like either one of them um and 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 it's even if they're like not even like uh fully like uh like you know christian or whatever they have these interesting like belief systems drawn out of out of this and it's it's interesting how like the 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 some of the, some uh it's easy for political types even dictators to sort of like co-opt various religious interests as part of their own kind of like system of thinking, or maybe to find a coalition of people that are willing to back them. Um, You know, because they're, they'll make the claim that they're kind of good in this direction. So they can, they have the justification to do certain bad things over in this direction.
7: It's a bit like the Uyghurs in China, isn't it? Like uh, they're, they're pretty heavily persecuted. Yeah, exactly
1: yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's a, it's a kind of a um a strange thing but at the same time like there are groups of people that um will enter into different countries and they are by def- definition not interested necessarily in the um maybe the political or cultural existing features of that country and they truly want to make it very different. Like a a good example of this. And again, like this, I'll probably get banned from Twitter or something because this is what always happens with these things. But like, um, like there's substantial portion of um, uh, Islam and some of the subsequent um, books that surround the, the Islamic culture that are very political. Like they're not necessarily purely like, spiritual. Like, in other words, if you pick up some book about Buddhism or something like that, it doesn't necessarily tell you to create a politics built on Buddhism. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't like kings that um, caused a lot of violence, for example, in India in the name of Buddhism. But at the same time, like it's not baked into the religious doctrine that you have to have a political um, religious structure in order to be a good... um, Uh, Buddhist or something like that. It's not baked into that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in, whereas in Islam, for example, it is. So when when you have lots of people that create a culture, they want their judicial system, they want their political structure, they want their, uh, um, these layers to ultimately become theocratic. It's like theocracy is sort of baked into it to some extent. So that leads to ultimately, like, discrepancies value discrepancies between the people that move into a certain country build communities there. And the people that are already there who don't necessarily uh, subscribe to those beliefs. So this is where like um, if you look at uh, like freedom of religion um, it can get kind of gnarly a little bit, because what if you had a group of people that developed a religion that actually completely sort of like negates um, let's, let's say for example, a religion exists that. Uh, that goes against say the United States bill of rights in many aspects. Let's say for example, a religion advocated for slavery or um, maybe it advocated for uh, I don't know, who knows what human sacrifice or some shit, right? Just pick, pick your, pick your problem. Um, You can imagine a time in some point in the future where like, there's going to be a religion around eugenics. There's going to be a religion around um, like human augmentation, all that shit. Right. And maybe um, those will affect maybe some elements of the bill of rights. So are, are those religions going to be sort of allowed to exist unfettered? I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out, but I, I, I doubt it. I don't think it's likely. So I think like freedom of religion works pretty well if most people's religions are somewhat similar. Um, but if you once you get into any fringe sort of thing, it's, um, it's easy to have like these conflicts where um, that group of people are going to want to form their own country. They're going to want to form their own um, mm-hmm they're going to want to form their own group and it's just a matter of time. In fact, like we see that happening even in crypto for that matter, like where you'll have like divergences between groups and their ideologies and they kind of go different directions. Um, It's like, you see it playing out right now and, and it's pretty fascinating to watch.
2: Yeah. Fundamentally any religious, truly any, any truly spiritual person Will not want to control or create power structures or anything of that sort. But the echoes of that relig- spiritual person will create religion in the world. So you may have um, uh, things that people think that their spiritual person wanted to happen and they will enforce that in the world, not understanding that not controlling things is the point. And so uh, to tie this down, uh, what are we going to do now that Coach is gone? Are we going to create some kind of
7: cult? So what's
3: going to
1: happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the formation of uh, a cult is probably a good idea.
7: I've um, noticed that Adi's not here anymore since uh, Coach isn't here. So uh, I think we're already starting to lose parts of the cult, I'm afraid. Uh, Yura. Uh, she's usually in every single space, but she's just not here today. Neither is Katie. Like You know, we've, we're losing him, Seth.
2: We're losing... Just imagine if you had voice recordings of the Buddha, you know, how popular Buddhism would be. Yeah. Yeah, something to think about.
7: <laughs> you remember that guy, King Whale or whatever that was basically a soundboard Seth? and he's like, We're gonna pump loon. I'm gonna pump loon into every woman. Like, you know I'm out. You remember that dude? Talking about Wabi? No, not King Wabi. It was like King Whale or some shit like that. The guy just could not shut up about like pumping oh. lunk and like he's like, I'm gonna fuck her after I make my lunk like proper like fucking oh, I don't know, some <laughs> some degenerate, like yeah. And we we're all just saying that. you kept going, okay. Um Uh, okay and like like, maybe we need to do that for coach though and just pretend that he's here just get an alternate account. it's kind of of funny
1: doing this like co-host host host bullshit right like if you if you don't let people uh, speak right you're gonna be like oh people are gonna oh we're shutting down free speech and look at that he's like just like shutting people down and then it's like if you if you let people who have no fucking clue what they're talking about just go on and on then the problem is is like oh the people get bored they're like you know like why isn't this moderator fucking like launching this guy out of here like you know so it's it's a real tricky
5: problem
7: i'm gonna be realistic when ukraine like joined chat i was sitting there waiting for like the demote button because i didn't know what the fuck was about to come out and i said the guy like i can't be bothered with another fucking degenerate like chatting shit
1: today well well, he and i we we met like last couple of
7: spaces so that's why i I kind (laughs) of
3: (laughs) <laughs> so, i knew what he yeah, was doing, i'm just yeah. sitting
7: there in prep like i just i just really couldn't be bothered with someone doing palm long for like five hours straight of like bullshit
1: well that's what coaches like point is like it's funny in twitter like if you um you you kind of like if you say things that trigger people right and um like if you say things that are like ideologically different when, than they, what they care about but over the long run they kind of stick around then that tells you something about a person, right? It just eventually. So the idea is like, if you say enough wacky shit, right? Like ultimately you'll, you'll eliminate all the people that are that are unable to sort of handle it. Right. So it's just like, it creates a nice, interesting group of people ultimately where like, you know, you're not people that can have conversations and not be, you know, just upset about fucking everything. Um, so yeah, he takes it to another level and, um, where he just like says something completely crazy, either sexually or whatever. <laughs> and uh, which I think is, uh, it's kind of helpful. It's like this, like, um, not litmus test, but it's like, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a, it's with, with Bruce, it's always kind of this funny test, isn't it? It's hilarious. It's
7: almost like a South Park mentality where they just push the boundaries of what what is acceptable in society. And he just keeps going on and on. And then he starts weeding out all the people that just like, you know, can't handle that level of humor. And they fuck off. And then you get an interesting space where the people that have a sense of humor and they can talk and you know, they're not just going to sit there going, oh, my God, you said the word Marmite. Like, you know, and just stop crying about you're, it. You're <laughs> channeling.
1: You're channeling Bruce right
7: there. So literally yeah, I said that in my head. I was like, oh, fuck, the cult has taken me, Saffi, the cult has taken me. That's and, funny. Uh, like, uh, like
1: uh, it, it's funny. Like, uh, I think Rama here and uh, like home, they decided they're like, maybe he Rahma can come on. I don't know if he's busy. But they kind of like, uh, there's like this, a DAO forming on Juno and they're like, oh, we're going to like, <laughs> we're going to um, vote for you or nominate you to go do this. I'm like, uh, like, I don't know, is is it going to be fun or is it like, like, <laughs> like what, what is that all about? So yeah, it's like the, um, you, you sort of want to find uh, this, like, there's this imperative to sort of find like reasonably rational somewhat balanced people that aren't fucking sociopaths in 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 the world to handle certain things and i'm like i don't know maybe on the one hand i'm like oh i don't know do i want to like saddle myself with that work and on the other hand i'm like well i don't know maybe it's like i don't do it then you know you get someone else who you know so like yeah when, when do you like when you're called to serve for something like do, do you do you do it do you not it's like it's it, it, these are tough decisions because they can it's be very different. consuming
7: Depends on your motivation doesn't it like you know if you want to make people money or yourself money then yeah you go do it if you, if you just want to fuck around and have some fun go do it if you really can't be bothered with dealing with people well then why why, why would you do it do you know <laughs> it's
5: I kind, of, it
1: really I kind of like i kind of like the idea of like um you know like if you understand kind of like how the united states first began like people like um i don't know uh george washington thomas jefferson to some extent these people were like not like wanting to go into politics. Right. Like George Washington was a general and he's like, fuck, I got it. You, you mean I have to be president now? I'm fucking tired. Like I'm just, but people like, well, like everyone knows who you are and you have to now do this. And like, so, you know, the, 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 the political types who just are not that interested in politics who had to get into it for some reason, uh, there's something to be said for that. Right. Like people who literally like have no interest in power, but then are called to serve to do certain things. Um, you know, it's like so. So I admire kind of like this idea that George Washington became, uh, you know, the first president of the United States. And like it was it's quite feasible that he could have become some sort of dictator king. Right. Like the entire concept of like politics between uh, like how the U.K., uh, worked at the time and how like the United States was controlled, it's not, it wasn't unreasonable to think the public would have said, Hey, we want King Washington to become the first King of the United States yeah. that for him to have actually actively stepped down and said, look, um, listen, listen, you jackasses, you better find someone uh, to take over and, and vote for something that you want. Cause I'm not doing this forever. Um, you know, it's, it's like an admirable thing. Like he could have like become King because that way his kids could become
7: yeah, he couldn't, he that shit. Become king. Do you know why you can become king? Because you, you did the classic anti monarch thing and you dumped all your fucking tea in the ocean. Why dump it? Why not just steal it and drink it? Like, fuck me. It was such a waste of funds. Like, be, <laughs> it's, it's like Positive a golf oil Like, you know, it's so fucking stupid. Just drink the tea. Just don't pay for it. Steal it, drink it. Yeah, you know, but if they drank it. it,
1: you wouldn't be remembering the story now, right? So that's how they won, right? It's a, no, a message. No, work that's work not how
7: they, they won. Fuck off! But they, they make us laugh at you. We sit here drinking <laughs> our tea like they don't understand. They're drinking coffee and getting all these problems from coffee. We're drinking tea. <laughs> oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: could imagine someone from the UK being very, very worried about that much tea going into the bay, right? Like it makes. I, I,
7: <laughs> I think of it, and I'm like, if that was Yorkshire tea gold, oh, I would be heartbroken. All that tea going in there, like, I would genuinely, like, you know. I'm a true Brit when it comes to tea. Like, yeah, the, it's tea. like
1: Wow, these Americans are stupid throwing all this tea in the bus
7: <laughs> and it, it, It'd be like for free fucking money. Tea bags don't expire. Just fucking save it for it. Well, I mean, they do after like years and years and years and years, but like not like, do you know what I mean? Save that's your tea funny. bag. <laughs> like the fucking American Merchant Guild must have been sitting there going, oh my God, that's, that's a lot of money we're throwing away, guys. We sure we want to do this. We sure. Yeah, okay. Like sitting there crying about all the lost profit.
1: Anyway, like, for anyone that doesn't know, like, what happened, um, so there is a, uh, Bruce's account is at Asparagoid, A-S-P-A-R-A-G-O-I-D, and um, he he's basically has kind of, like, uh, a really fun kind of account that he's kind of done, and he does, like, funny little personalities, and he does crazy little voices, and he does, like, um, uh, he kind of creates um, a lot of little sati- satirical posts and, like, every single one of them is just meant to be creative and like really just trigger you right like so um like if you're gay you're going to be triggered if you're like if you're a certain racial group you're going to be triggered if you're um if you like this or that or the other thing he you're going to tr- be triggered there to just just irritate everybody right it's just he's really
7: like he's, he's a newt.
1: yeah so he's just like there to just like do this kind of like um periodically just ruffle everyone's feathers and just have fun and um and, and I didn't know what to think of him either. When he was first started posting, he posted like on Terra related stuff. And, uh, periodically he'd counter post to some of the stuff I did to kind of like, kind of like, just like irritate me or something. And, uh, and, uh, and so I didn't, I couldn't quite peg exactly who he was and what he was, but then I started figuring out, okay, I see what he's doing. He's got this creative thing going on and he's kind of messing around. And it turns out that he and I turned out to be very, very similar in many ways, um, you know, like you know, our kind of like view of the world and this and that. so that's why we started kind of somehow like we wound up doing spaces together. Initially he'd come and hang out when I did a lot of terror related stuff last this last year, he'd show up as like crypto Susanna and he would never like, uh, he would never show, he would never actually speak. Right. He's just down there. And I would make fun of him for like never showing up uh, from the audience to come up and hang out. And uh, but then eventually like, yeah, he just sort of like not dox himself, but he started using his actual, voice on on spaces and started having fun you
7: know, I think, you know what i think it was Steffi is when he started doing the you know when he had his like display pictures the mouse and he started like crying about going bald <laughs> at the lockdown thing like i think that's what kind of gave him the confidence to start really getting himself out because they were fucking that's what made me follow him that was so fucking hilarious the shit that he used to come out with and like
1: yeah
7: yeah, yeah. I, really, I
1: miss it i really do so, miss so it. <laughs> yesterday they decided to suspend his account It was actually a weird series of tweets. There was this, um, I think um, Lucas said something and someone responded to Lucas, um, basically like this ultra, like ultra irritating, like ultra right-wing account who is like, you know, calling him, you know, he, basically what happened was is that um, they started using, like he started, this one guy started using, like attacking Lucas, you know, saying gay slurs and calling him a faggot. And I don't know what, I'm not sure what this is all about point is like then like bruce gets irritated um so and then he kind of you know says something you know demeaning to this this character and uh and calls him a gimp or something and next thing you know it's like bruce's account gets um gets suspended and the guy that was like just making straight up like all sorts of like you know uh, uh, gay slurs and this and that and the other thing like didn't get it uh, didn't get suspended at all which is kind of strange so um yeah we're trying to like get somebody at Twitter to kind of like unsuspend his goddamn account. Um, but like, it's, it's obvious, like his, he, he does post a lot of satire. So if you go back on his thread and you don't know who he is and like what he's like, then um, you know, it's like banning Dave Chappelle or something like that from comedy. Like, you know, you're going to wind don't, up.
7: Don't say that. That, that, that'd kill myself. If, if Dave Chappelle gets banned from comedy, I, I, I would hate life.
1: Well, Dave sort of sort of left comedy for this reason, right? Because he's black, but he's he says a lot of things that are like, you know,
7: uh, the Asian community, but his wife's Vietnamese. It's fucking hilarious. Exactly. He'll say
1: all sorts of things that are funny, but like, oh, it triggers somebody. Oh, you're a racist or some bullshit. And um yeah, it's so, so yeah, Dave Chappelle left comedy for this sort of reason. Um, but obviously, Dave is one of like the geniuses of comedy over the last, you know, 30 years. Really funny guy. Um, but yeah, Bruce is like that. He's like super, super funny, but like he always makes me bust a gut. Like, I haven't laughed as hard with Bruce as I, I've laughed at anything in years, I think, right? Like, I mean, like some of the like space, the,
7: the naval passage thing yesterday just happened in fucking stitches. How serious he got with it as well. yeah
1: yeah because he's so well read right he's so well read about so many things sometimes he'll say something i'm like like legitimately did you just go look that shit up or did you like like what like what the fuck what yeah. You know, I like, don't even know what he said. Something about the name of, like, the spot on your belt. Yeah,
7: yeah, like, yeah. Samurai. Like, yes, yes
8: yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah, the seppuku shit. And he's like, do you know how they do seppuku? It's because of this, like, narrow something or other. I'm like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Some, yeah, All some really
8: narrow,
1: <laughs> esoteric thing. And he's like, yeah, I've read books about samurai culture. I'm like, really? What haven't you read a book about? And, like, the... Yeah, he just has this like interesting vibe where he, he he throws all this interesting like knowledge out and you're like, oh, okay. And it makes you laugh. And like there there's some times like over the last few weeks, just you know, chatting on space with him. I mean like I, I just couldn't even like I couldn't even breathe. I was laughing so hard. It'd be like four o'clock in the morning too. So it's like like I'm really tired. I just can't stop laughing. Uh so like it's funny, like when we have spaces together when Bruce is on, like it's funny, like some people in the audience are hanging out there for just like Fucking like hours and hours and hours. We're just bullshitting. And they're just waiting for Brut to say something fucking crazy, right? Like that's just like like there's always these gems that pop up. We gotta get go, like we need to get Finn to go through his recording somehow at some point and like find all the funny shit and publish it. It's really funny.
8: Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Um, do we know how long the uh the account is suspended for? Like, is that something we could find out? I yeah, well they, they
1: suspended good. him for a, a specific post he made about calling some like Some some dude was like using a lot of like slurs and stuff and he called him a gimp. So like next thing you know, they 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 ban him for some reason.
8: Is that that like
7: some sort of a racial slur? No, gimp. there's there's multiple different. So so, in England, you've got obviously the North, South, Northwest, Northeast, Midlands, like all these different areas and all that sort of thing. So in each area of the UK, gimp means something different. So where I'm from, gimp is literally like, you know, a guy that dresses up in a gimp suit, like sort of shit. Like, you know, that's a sexual thing. When I moved up north, gimp is a normal slur used to just call someone an idiot, basically. Oh, you're such a gimp. You're further north, it's like saying someone's cringe. Oh, you're so gimpy. Like, you're a gimp. And like, you, everywhere you go, it's, it's a different meaning. It's not. It's, it's really such a mediocre word. It's like it's literally like going, uh, hey, bruh. You're a fucking idiot. Like, essentially, is, is the main consensus. Like, yeah, it, it's really not a bad word. I I don't understand how they fucking banned him for that. Like, it's G- GIMP's a fucking program for God's sake. You can get GIMP on your PC for like instead of Photoshop. Jesus Christ. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Another th- another thing you can get banned for on Twitter is like, um, using the crowd for something. Like, for example, if I said, "Hey, um, everyone should go and um." you know, like tag Chubb's account and call him a moron or something, right? Like something like that. Any kind of crowd attack type of thing is going to get banned on Twitter, generally speaking. Uh, It almost doesn't matter what you say or why you say it. Like if you say, oh, go tag someone, uh, like let's say, uh, you know, like as a protest or anything like that. Like if you go target an individual account for something it's could gonna
7: that be, the reason, could that be the real reason they got banned then because of that whole cz fiasco because i go tag cz let's fucking go to town him. <laughs> the funniest so, thing is re-
1: remember when i said "Remember, i don't know if you you were you were following me at the time but at some point like earlier in the year i was like posting something about cardano and um how like i, I just posted a chart of cardano and i said hey like this is not going so well so far um like you know it, it, you know the 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 you know, maybe like there's some price action, the thing that can go down further or something like that. Right. Something re- regarding the price of Cardano. And it was, uh, uh, and you know, I also said things like, well, you know, like these people need to like actually produce something like there's always making promises. And, you know, I, Oh, you know what I said? I said, Cardano is trying to save Africa because um, remember when so many different talks about Cardano were like, oh, yeah, we've got this thing, these initiatives in Africa, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, uh, I I said something along the lines of I still haven't seen them save Africa yet, right, or some shit like that. <laughs> and holy fucking shit, the Cardano army came out and just hammered my account with negative, like, all sorts of shit, right? I literally um, had posts by Charles Hoskinson on my my useless Twitter thread um, saying, oh, like, you know, and then, you know, what, what really was bad was, like, so when Luna crashed, right? Oh my God, yeah. they all come back and go, oh, look at this little asshole he talked about Cardano <laughs> and look at their Luna, it's all fucked up, right? It's like, we told you so, or some shit like that. It was it was amazing. It was really like, uh, it was Twitter gold to watch all this take place. Just really, really funny. Um, and actually, like Charles Hoskinson sitting in Wyoming or where the fuck is like sitting there, like posting t- on my like random Twitter account, like who am I? Nobody. And like, it's just funny how, um, you know, how how like you can get a founder triggered. That's uh, That's even more amazing. But uh, yeah, that was one of my better moments, I think. (laughs) And and it's funny because like I have to be careful because like a lot of founders and stuff like enjoy like doing spaces with me. And we do like with founders of Cosmos or like Flux Network. We've talked to Cadena's founders, like a lot of different people. So like in a way, like there is something to lose. If I go off the deep end and like go crazy, right, Um, then like you're going to be ostracized by like any kind of legitimate sort of technical community Yeah. I right agree. so so there's like there is something to lose sort of like if i want to keep doing that like I, you know so if i just start talking shit about everything like <laughs> you're gonna wind up with that situation
8: wait Safi, have you talked to will and stewart
1: yeah yeah uh of uh of, of cadena yeah. yeah 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 i've spoken to uh at length actually well i think almost for a few hours we had a pretty good time yeah they oh, asked me to yeah. I, they actually <laughs> yeah, actually, the the, the awesome. their their Chicago office called. They're like, "Hey, do you want to do like some kind of like, you know, do you want to be hired by Cadena or some shit?" I'm like, "No, I don't really do this for like pay. I don't really, like, you know, I'm I'm f- I'm, I'm perfectly fine with talking with uh, people in crypto or whatever. But like, I'm not interested in getting paid for it because I want to like, I like to stay kind of credibly neutral and whatever. I already make enough money, like, I don't need your money or whatever. I, but I'm if you have good tech and you want to talk about it, I'll be free to do it. So they I they idea. So like you got an option. What's that? Go ahead.
7: Do it. Make your money and burn Luna, bro. Like burn some (laughs) love. Come on, bro. You may not need the money, but the community needs your money, Seth.
1: (laughs) Is that what it is? So um yeah, but like uh with with Kadena, for example, they're like, hey, you want to do like a you know a weekly thing or something like that at um, you know, maybe we'll have uh I'll have the so the their actual like Chicago office folks like message me and like put me on a little list so that when they start doing like spaces or some other thing, they could, you know, do some whatever. And I was like, fine, you know, if, you, if I have the time, but it's like the more of these kind of requests you get, the harder it becomes because like all of a sudden like everyone wants to have some event of some kind and you have to decide like, do you want to make the time for that? And like when you do a lot of structured shit, like if you have to have a calendar or some other bullshit to like keep track of what the fuck you're doing, that means you're really spending a lot of time at this. And I have fun bullshitting on spaces like this, like, like we are now. And I think it's a fun, like it's a fun, um, like entertaining use of our time. But when you start doing a lot of like formal nerd shit, um, I don't know. It's, it, it, you, it's it's boring. Boring. wait sorry i uh, i think both of you were talking at the same time i didn't hear you
8: i just said yeah like a lot of formal nerd shit can be pretty boring and time consuming like i agree with you Safi. yeah but so
1: yeah. i so i get a lot of requests for this sort of thing and i'm like well, i've got to be very careful about what i say yes to because otherwise it just won't be enough time so like you have to choose like what you think is the most um like um but yeah you just have to decide what you want to be what you want to spend your time on and yeah there's some things in this field where yeah you can certainly get paid for it certainly but um it's just not like it, but as soon as you start getting paid for it you now are you know you have to basically say things that are specific to that party line and then you can't use like you can't necessarily express all your individual opinions about something in sort of some manner that you feel like you're not Ultimately affected by the 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 monetary aspect, right? So like, I'd rather be able to just say well, what the fuck I want when I want, as opposed to um like having to bend to the will of some kind of like marketing department or something like that. I don't lo- like
7: that idea, but See, yeah, for me it's just be the uh, being. Oh, it's not a hobby anymore, is it? As well, if you start doing that, you yeah, a job, it's a job, and then yeah, no one wants to work at something they find fun because then it just yeah ruins your daily shit.
1: But also if you're, if you're a credible individual, like the thing is like, if you take money for something from a company, like you should make that your, your goal is to align with the goals of that company and make them look good, right? Like that's your whole point of working for them. Uh, And you you can't do the job of like, just like playing around in crypto and like, you know, asking, answering questions with people and talking with founders. If you spend, like, if you already are like working for one company, your interest may not align with another one necessarily. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, Milo, you had your hand up and then, uh, Povilas after that, go ahead guys.
4: Yeah. I'm hoping, uh, coach gets back on uh, pretty good. Um, I've been listening to your, uh, spaces for a while here and all will there. So that's good. Coach was, uh, you know it was good right it's just like exactly what we're saying we could talk about coding programming different sort of uh cosmos um chains all the time but it does get boring so it is kind of nice i i think it was kind of almost rogan-esque really like where kind of joe rogan has you know some pretty good topics and details that they go through but there's also that factor of just you know shit talking, and everything like that that goes on as well so i like these spaces for that um i, I did have uh because was kind of on uh kujira and i'd kind of mentioned um to dove um if he would want to get on one of these spaces that was obviously pre uh three yeah I've, I've, seen, I've
1: spoken i've spoken to dove and did several things uh related to kojira last year when they were on
4: uh terra mm-hmm. classic
1: for example so yeah i've, I've met them before
4: oh, okay yeah so he said he would be interested i don't know if that changes here now yeah, but for that's sure. something fun. And, it, and those guys are pretty cool i like the kojira team they're pretty they're pretty lax and they're cut from the same cloth as all us here too so yeah that was usually, kind of one thing usually,
1: Usually when I have, like, and I talk to a team or something, I'll usually tell the audience, like, whether I own some of that coin or not. So that way they can take that with like, whatever grain of salt that they want, right? So I'm pretty good at, like, disclosing that sort of shit. I don't really um, – otherwise, like, again, like and, – and you don't know for sure whether I'm telling the truth or not. Obviously, that's just up to you. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, I tend to be fairly clear about, um, you know – sometimes like I'll talk to founders and I'll, and whatever. And at the end of the talk, I'm like, Hmm, I think I'm going to buy some of this coin. Like, So I'm fine with like providing my opinion about whether I think it's interesting or not as well. But I, I, I like to be usually pretty transparent with about, um, about that. And then like, I'm not, uh, I'm, I like to kind of like, uh, if there is a team or whatever, building something, I'd like to provide like my criticism as well. Like, you know, maybe you guys should think about doing this, this and this, because like, you know, there are problems with the user interface or some other thing. And they've been pretty good. Like Kojiro actually took some ideas actually in the original design and actually like baked them into the system, which was kind of cool. So it's nice to see when like the founders or the uh, developers actually take ideas from the community and like build on them. So like, uh, you know, because so- sometimes, you know how it is, like uh, you'll say some things, you maybe have a wish list of stuff you want to see, but nothing ever gets built that way, right? But it's really cool when like a good idea actually... Uh, gets implemented and Kajira is one of those teams that actually built something I said has them to do just kind of cool
4: and I was on another space this morning um, who was that with that was with I guess it would be evil plan these guys that have a space uninformed opinions or whatever it was pretty good they were talking about government and all of that stuff um, there uh, it was actually one of the better spaces that I'd been on with them in a while, um, and they're, um, they brought up a, a proposal. I can't remember the proposal number, but it was for Cosmos. I don't know if you'd seen any proposals lately. I couldn't find anyone um, considering a Dex or Sex there on uh, Cosmos that became kind of vitriol, or there the guys on there were saying it was a fairly toxic environment. I don't know if that's something that's pasted against yeah. CosmoVerse. Yeah. No, but, in uh, Cosmo,
1: cosmos, there's a fair amount of like uh, personality, and um, I would say kind of like pol- you know semi political contentions, uh, which is which is like normal when you get big enough. That that's one of the reasons why for cosmos, I think um, it'd be interesting if like cosmos Adam sort of like um, adopted a some sort of like uh like Bill of Rights kind of concept in terms of like what we think is the vision for. Um, our vision for like the future of sort of humanity, like assuming that cosmos became like the way the new internet, so to speak, right. The internet of blockchains, I think, um, yeah, these sort of like governmental type issues or like values sort of statements can be helpful early on as opposed to much, much later. And, um, I think whether it's like with people like Dow Dow on Juno or like, uh, just in general with the cosmos hub, um, like issues that we've been talking about today, like censorship and all these kinds of things, right? Uh, It'd be interesting to have a, what we believe is like a bill of rights. So that if, let's say, for example, someone were to create a Cosmos proposal saying, hey, like, we want to create a proposal that re-diverts community funds to encouraging slavery or something, right? Like, that would not be something that would even be allowed to vote on, because there'd be like a judicial committee that essentially says that does not fit the, the constitution, and therefore we would uh, not even vote for that, right? Something like that. So the, like we don't have a, a system like that in much of crypto. It's meant to be sort of like this totally permissionless uh, system. But long run, um, I think that'll come back to harm us in certain ways in terms of growth. And um, it's something to consider.
4: Yeah, I seen a lot of, they were kind of buttered about some free stuff and I'm not, I'm a proponent against really free drops and airdrops and everything like that. So I kind of found it funny because the, yeah, I
1: think you might be a bunch of, you might be referring to the idea of offering like airdrops and other incentives in order to vote a certain direction. So basically these sort of like overt bribe-based systems, which do happen, um, like Jay sort of did it, Jay Kwan did it sort of when he said, hey, I'm going to give airdrops of, I think it was like GNO land if you vote for this proposition or that proposition. Um, I think it was Prop 69 or something. Anyway, point is like there's situations where um, like our, the system of voting and governance on um, – on, um, cosmos uh you could lead to sort of like weird perverse outcomes um if we don't have a system to handle some of those things and then everyone's like left scratching their head and and actually weird outcomes lead to a lot of attention um especially bad outcomes lead to a lot of attention a lot of negative media attention and really hinder the growth of an ecosystem so um yeah, it's 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 one of these more complicated problems. It's not really the realm oftentimes of like tech people um necessarily. It's sort of more like um, complicated co- political science and game theory that goes into some of these ideas and and um I, I'm certainly no expert at these things. I just know that we're missing some of that. like just looking at successful societies. We are missing some things in cosmos. That I think long term would be um, a potential hindrance if we don't consider them early. But anyway, um, Pavilas, what's up, man?
8: Hi, guys. How are you doing? this evening? Uh, I had a question, but first of all, I'd like to react to it, what you were discussing right now. I mean, uh, the whole reason that crypto came to, in the first place was to have a total autonomy from government and everything. So uh, making a bill of rights or something like that, uh, some sort of a guideline it does bring its uh you know useful stuff with it but it also defeats the whole purpose of crypto don't you think
1: yeah it's it, I, I agreed there there is a there is a problem with like w- what is the point of crypto and uh, and there will be by the way there will be chains with complicated systems like i'm sure like there'll be a religion on chain there will be like um you know bad organizations on chain there's going to be all sorts of things that emerge that um we have two choices. One is we leave that up to the regular governments to sort of police it, which they will, because obviously, you know, you know, if something bad happens, they, you know, uh, a traditional government's going to show up to try to sort it out. Um, in fact, it happens all the time. Like, you know, people lose money in crypto. And what do they do? They go crying to the FBI, like, "Oh, my, I lost my money." Like, FBI, please, like, this guy scammed me. Right? Like, so it's it's funny how people. Think they're in crypto for one thing, but really they 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 call to authority immediately when something bad happens. Um, so like people are very many people uh, are hypocritical in that regard. Um, but at the same time, it's like imagine uh, a proposal were to show up, right? Like say I pro- make a proposal tomorrow on the Cosmos main chain, and I say, you know what? I think um, the Kujira people are dicks. Um, I think uh, we want we want to like uh, ban them from the IBC. Or some other BS, right? Like, And we sort of create some sort of scheme whereby like, we can um, like, maybe disconnect um, you know, uh, certain chains from certain chains, you, you, exerting political will. Um, so the way that the, the governance voting system works in proof of stake systems, this is certainly possible, assuming you can find validators who are willing to vote for it and people who are willing to implement it. So if you have no bill of rights, you say, well, we want to have a base level rights where, let's say, for example, freedom of speech is absolute. It doesn't matter if you're a terrorist. It doesn't matter if you're a, a child kidnapper. It doesn't make any difference what it is. We, freedom of speech is for a certainty, right? Okay, well, then um, then that needs to be codified into some rule where a proposal couldn't overcome that, right? Otherwise, what you're going to get, Pavilis, is like, if you're in the fantasy that we're in a truly permissionless world in a proof-of-stake system, we never really are, right? Like, the the if enough people vote on it, you can get all sorts of interesting outcomes that may or may not be good for um, either the chain or people at large. So I think um, leaving a vacuum where you you don't have sort of at least sort of like a statement of values um, may, I don't know, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's bad. I'm not sure. But Bitcoin avoided this entirely by not having any uh, smart contracts. And um, like the only governance is essentially um, what the miners decide is an effective block um, and that's that's it. Like the consensus mechanisms were straightforward. And that's why Bitcoin is what it is and why like hardcore Bitcoiners are not particularly very interested in necessarily going to systems where um, you can inject politics like, for example, proof of stake networks.
7: Also, can I just yeah. add to that it wasn't to be free of government it was to be free of financial institutions taking over. So obviously everyone understood that governments would get involved because have you ever tried to avoid the tax man? I have, it never goes well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it was, it was more financial freedom was the dream of it. So it was the fact that you would be in control of your money, but not the banks. Obviously the government will always take its share, like it is what it is. You can't live in a civilization and not pay taxes. Otherwise nothing gets done. The second thing is even if it was the government or freedom of government, if people are voting on things that they want, then it's the people running the chain. It's not the government, which would still adhere to, obviously, freedom of government interference because it's the people sitting there and voting for what they want. But either way, in every system, you're going to get the whales that are going to control the system because they've got the money to control the system. And just because it's virtual money, you still have to use fiat to get it. Like, you know, there was no avoiding any sort of, manipulation of a chain. It's always gonna be there. The only thing you can do is Yeah, well, so long as so long as humans are involved, like humans are involved. Like it's just there's no <laughs> yeah, it's just great, isn't it? like, but it's it, it's like what Luna Classic is trying to do or what Long Dao keeps telling people to do. They're saying yes, delegate with us, but delegate with other people that share the same values as you and want what's best for the chain because then you don't get those zero commission bastards like taking over trying to squeeze everyone out. I'll give out. you
1: I'll give you an initial a, sort of like a dystopian view here for a second. Like imagine right now we have like very very um uh manipulative sort of ways to use artificial intelligence through visual imagery, through acoustics, through like the written word. Um you can basically slowly slowly manipulate a population into say for example thinking that probably slavery is okay or something like that. It is actually feasible to do this. Um, I know it sounds insane. Um, like no, just no to I can it. give you a Monday it's, example. TikTok, yeah.
7: TikTok yeah. in China. What they're doing to America, where they're promoting all these people that are twerking, whereas in China <laughs> they promote all the educational sectors and they promote you know progression. China is single-handedly trying to dumb down America, which is fucking a, like
1: apps. Like you're saying yeah, yeah so- exactly.
7: But it is happening. Like it's been proven to happen. It's it's and it, what you're saying is being done via artificial intelligence and obviously, you know, manipulation of sure. algorithms, algorithms
1: but I'm I, we haven't even seen the extent to which AI can do this yet. You can actually do it way more insidiously and much more in depth than you, you can see. So let's say, for example, you have the, 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 the majority of the public wants to vote for crazy ass shit, whether it's on chain or otherwise. The problem is, is like, there's no recourse if you don't have some sort of like, Bill of Rights or prevention of certain types of proposals in an on-chain system, which has governance from passing. So like if you look at uh, today, like if the Congress were to um, pass a law that says um, we want to enslave you know, all the Native Americans or something weird like that. I'm just, and don't go and like, you know, say, oh, like we're going to ban Seppi. He said we're going to, you know, like, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying I'm it just, as an example.
7: I'm if passing guys, my tweet, for cancel culture now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to record this like, oh, see what he said. He said he's going to, we're going to save it. Anyway, so um, yeah, if you if you like the United States uh, Congress, for example, were to come up with and the Senate were to pass a law that says they're going to like, let's say, enslave somebody, then the judicial branch in theory um, with the Supreme Court would need to strike that down and say, look, this does not fit with the Bill of Rights. This does not make sense. This cannot, this is not a constitutional law. And the mere presence of the Supreme Court makes the Congress and the Senate think twice about Putting together laws that are likely to get struck down, so that creates that balance of power sort of concept. And um, I, I have this suspicion that uh, any uh, inability for us to think like this and consider this from the perspective of like blockchain, especially IBC, like Cosmos specifically, uh, most other layer one type systems are ultra centralized anyway. So it doesn't really like it's already too far gone for that to even matter. Um, but in Cosmos, because we have the ability to have like independent sovereign blockchains. Um, You can imagine that lots of different uh, institutions, lots of different types of people with different beliefs are going to want to spin up Cosmos chains and they're going to want to connect to each other. And the ability to sort of figure out like, okay, so the neo-Nazi cult that comes on and builds a chain, are we going to like, is that going to be a credible like group of people that we want to be interacting with our system or do we want to ostracize them? These kinds of questions start emerging at some point. And yeah, like nobody wants to make those decisions, but at the same time, Like we don't necessarily want to facilitate the murdering of our own children at some point either. Right. So it's like there come like, so when you talk about something like as big as the cosmos, it doesn't seem like a big deal now because like it's really small in the grand scheme of things. But imagine the whole world running on a series of cosmos chains. And you can use your imagination fairly quickly how a nefarious person, like in other words, a person intelligent enough, I, I think I'm reasonably intelligent enough to cause a lot of mass harm if I wanted to. Um, you're just lucky that I'm not like a fucking crazy or a sociopath, but there are people that are, that have plenty of knowledge, plenty of background that can cause a lot of harm if they, if they have, they have the right tools at their disposal and have the will. Right. So there are bad people. We know that, um, the, well, the Ukrainians realize that, oh shit, like <laughs> we just got invaded. Um, so bad things can happen in the world and you have to decide, like, are we going to have a system in place that, um, where we create sort of like our own government in the cosmos? Or are we going to leave that just as a passive enterprise and then leave all the governing to actual governments? In which case, um,
8: you know, that's a different outcome. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, can I (laughs) jump in? Uh, I have to agree and disagree with you at the same time. I think you're comparing a little bit apples to oranges because uh, while uh, the U.S. government, as you said, yeah, they, I don't know, Take take apart uh, some act to agree to enslave a group of people or whatnot. They do have the power to police that uh, law into action. While the crypto market, it's uh, basically just agreements how your money will be used and where it will be used. And also, uh, we're reacting to Chugga's, uh statement. Yeah, I, I agree with you, was totally, by the way.
1: Yeah, we don't have yeah. any enforcement mechanisms.
8: You're 100 percent correct. Exactly, don't have a private military or something. Well, you can argue that you can buy cool. anything with money. But...
7: Uh, Luna, Luna Classic actually is developing a project for a, uh, a paramilitary military <laughs> organization to attack kidnappers. So if, if people are going against the uh, the consensus, you never know, man. Like you know, we could probably divert the objective based on a governance proposal. So uh, right, just, I'll uh, choose
8: my words carefully then.
7: Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> there are blockchains out there that can uh that, that, that can stand the test of force
1: yeah chugs is keeping an excel spreadsheet right of who to uh knock out next
7: well yeah, I see. you're one of the wow. leaders fashion, so unless you want me to dox you i just shh. there's a reason why they go to your hospital it's not because you're there to care for them like you know you slip them an extra bit of morphine
8: all right all right yeah uh, chug i wanted to react to what you said about uh financial side of crypto that it was created basically to get financial freedom from governments but i wouldn't uh, fully agree because uh, if you take for example china or something like that if you have a central bank they basically know everything you're doing so it's not just to be financially free from all the influxes of cash and whatnot inflation and everything it's also to be free from the government that's watching your every move
7: well Pov, if you're trying to make money an exchange in every single country it's in has to log your wallet id has to log everything in there so the minute you do a transaction it's on the blockchain and it's public anyway otherwise they question it so there's no getting around that or getting away from that especially yeah, in I countries know. like china
8: yeah i know but uh, you see because you can use an exchange that's pretty much well let's say based in britain yeah and uh, yeah. i would be living in china I would transfer money through through a bank. Yes, they would know I joined an exchange, but that's it. They're not getting the info of my wallet uh, from the from the Kraken or whatnot. They do, though.
7: So in the UK, as one example, for you to sign up to an exchange or a decent exchange, you have to give uh, what we've got called a national insurance number. And our national insurance number is basically all of our tax records and everything like that. So if I was to send money to China, a feasible amount of money to China or whatever exchange and try and deposit it into a wallet and try and fuck around with the government and somehow I end up with money in a... Well, the chinese government are going to pick up on that and go where the fuck is this money come from and why haven't you paid us tax <laughs> like, either way as i said you can't escape the tax man like he, he's the most hated he's the equivalent of a fucking mythological being that cannot be killed like
8: <laughs> yeah you well, know, that's it what, what it is, is the physical physical currency you know but if you if for example let's say i have 100k uh, and i want to support some terrorist group or whatnot Again, strictly, nobody quote me. It's only for <laughs> <you know?
7: laughs> Guy coming in. It sounds like he's part of the Russian Mafia. What if I support the Bratva? You know, uh... <laughs> uh, come
8: on, I'm from Lithuania, not from Russia. I, I'm i just taking the piss. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's all right. So, yeah. Anyways, if you take that money and you want to do shit with it, buy shit with it. Yeah, online. And you don't want the bank to strictly know what you're buying. You still can use the exchange. Yeah, they will know you are using crypto. They will see if you take a cash back into your bank account, into your local country and whatnot. But they will not see what happens in between. It's pretty, pretty fucking hard to see what happens in between. You need to basically to be able to access multiple country records and to be able to subpoena multiple countries to find that shit out.
1: In fact, uh Pavilas, uh, one of the uh discussions I've had with projects over the last year, um, and it like if the stupid Luna chain didn't have its problems, uh, we would have had this built by now. But um one of the things that uh we pay obnoxious amounts of like taxes on, uh to Chug's point, which is like irritating, is any kind of trading, like so for example, let's say I buy I don't know, Adam at $10 and I sell it at $16. So now I'm paying capital gains taxes on that bit, right? Now, the only reason you have to pay taxes on that, it, even though you haven't converted to actual cash yet, like let's say you're on an exchange where you, you convert it to some crypto equivalent, let's say like PAX G like gold, or you, you convert it to, I don't know, um, you know, like a USDC or something, is that um, you you have to pay taxes on it because by the time all those buys and sells take place, you wind up with um, like a bunch of taxable events and it's just, uh, it's expensive and a nuisance for an average person to uh, handle all that. Now, on a small scale, it's not a big deal, but if you're doing like algorithmic trading or grid bot trading, like I do, it, it just creates a lot of transactions. And you have to pay more for accounting fees, all this other garbage and taxes along the way. So one of the project, one of the concepts that's um, like, that solves a little bit of that, for example, is liquid staking. So if you have a liquid staked coin, it automatically increases in value compared to like, let's say your native Atom token. So you don't have to pay taxes for like um, income every time you uh, generate money when you uh, claim a reward and you don't have to pay uh, taxes. Like for example, if you're sort of like on a bot trading, if uh, all of this happens is a smart contract in the background. So it, bec- it functions more like an exchange traded fund. So if you have like a bot trading mechanism where, the entire thing happens within a vault, and it's not written to your uh, your particular um, wallet address on the blockchain. Then all of those trades can never be proven to have actually occurred. Um, they can occur within a smart contract algorithm, and only when you extract those funds do you have to pay taxes. So, like. There's an entire system, and I, I was talking to Grover before about it as well. That, like, on the Sei network, SEI, where that's going to be opening soon, and also on DYDX, you can ultimately get to the point where you build systems that, like, you're not paying tax on every transaction. I mean, and legally, so you don't have a legal obligation to pay tax on something unless you actually uh, receive funds. So you have it running in like a uh, like a, a vault, so to so to speak, and there's no recording of every individual transaction taking place. You enter the vault. Money is being made within that vault by the pooled money in that uh, strategy. And then when you exit, you exit with, let's say, more money than you had before. Um, You're only paying capital gains tax the time that you remove it. It functions more like a mutual fund or ETF in that regard, Um, like when you play like regular stocks. So, yeah, this concern about taxes like Chugs is talking about, um, there's going to be a lot of good ways with um, smart contract platforms to avoid a substantial amount of the tax on profit over time, such that you can actually look at it almost like um, income where you leave your money in there, you have it grinding away, trading for you. And then when, um, or or even just staking where it's uh, making money for you, but only when you Uh, You still get the benefit of all the auto compounding and those kind of benefits. But at the same time, you don't have to pay tax every single transaction every step of the way, um, which uh, is going to be very, very beneficial for people. So I think SEI Network, which is going to have an order book, is going to be more efficient than what we have in AMMs. And, um, you know, ultimately being able to kind of create like special vaults and bot platforms uh, has been a Interest of mine for the last year or so. And I think uh, we're going to get a lot of that cool stuff um, coming very soon to where, like, I could basically say, have a grid algorithm running, and then I can periodically extract money from that um, and pay taxes only when I want to on the time that I take those, not not take profits, but withdraw from that account. And then um, I could pay the bills or whatever I want with it. So I think uh, you're going to get a lot more sort of like uh, capital efficiency, tax efficiency. And financial freedom with some of the systems that I think we're going to be putting together. So that's why I like to talk to a lot of developers and stuff, because like there are all these ideas that um, you want to ultimately see built because they're beneficial to people, uh, particularly for individual uh, financial liberty. They're particularly beneficial. And um, I, I like these
8: kinds of ideas anyway. I get what you're saying, Safi, and it's brilliant. I mean, who who wouldn't want to dodge taxes and not go to prison for twenty years? I mean, and this
1: and this is not so much a question of dodging them; it's like, uh, but we're limiting know. the number of
8: taxable events. As yeah unnecessary taxes let's say that maybe yeah exactly and, uh, yeah. yeah yeah and uh one more thing about uh, the government's coming back to uh, the one sec,
7: Puff, Puff. one sec yes can you yeah. raise your hand uh just uh, use the heart emoji and raise your hand just so we know you're waiting to talk because i know you I know you want to talk for a while it's just obviously we we don't know yeah, that yeah, there you go.
8: cheers uh, yeah, yeah all good, all good. Good. The microphone soon <laughs> just one Puff, more thing Puff. Uh, yeah, uh, about the government's thing. So, as I said, uh, since the uh, crypto market doesn't have a private police or whatnot to to police certain aspects, I think uh, by yeah. creating a strict law which disables uh, the ability to make some, some changes in the market, I think we would defeat half the purpose of the market. And uh, right now, it's pretty democratic working. It's it's fifty fifty. Anyone who has a, a vote, they can vote, and and they can make their offers. And I don't, I don't believe we have such a dumb community to vote yes for slavery or whatnot, you know. And uh, <laughs> and regarding this matter, I think nothing really needs to change too much in in this aspect. I don't know if you agree, um, it's,
1: it's tricky. Um, I, I think it just depends on how far you take your imagination. Um you know, uh, it's like a question of like, whether you believe um, governance at all matters, right? Like, so yeah, it's right now, the way that proof of stake networks tend to work is financial incentive drives the motivation for a majority of the voting. Um, And are financial incentives, always the right incentives, Um, Probably not. Otherwise, we wouldn't have such um, distinct institutions in the real world. Like, for example, governments, we have financial institutions, we have educational institutions. Um, So like even Thomas Jefferson, who was um, fairly ardent libertarian, and very anti tyranny, highly individual liberty oriented. Um, if you sort of understand like, uh, the origin of the American constitution, um, even Thomas Jefferson, like if you go to the Jefferson monument or whatever, like one of the key things is that he did not necessarily think institutions were a bad thing in the, in the overall arch, but they had to be kept sort of under control and they had to be kind of, um, like, uh, contained in terms of power. Yeah. Go ahead. Better. Or actually is,
3: I think was waiting for a bit. Iz, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you have yeah any comments?
1: No, it's fine. Better go for
3: it. Oh, cool. Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, on the question of um, enforcement, would we need a private military? Actually, I'm hopeful that because these blockchain systems allow us to ostracize or exclude folk who maybe don't follow the Bill of Rights, let's say they're trying to create ISIS or the, the Nazi um, chain or the you know, Chains that would, would oppose the, the, the Bill of Rights, that, that would engage in genocide or hate crimes, um, they, they simply can be excluded. I mean, I don't think you need to have a private military. It's like the old system of the village where if somebody doesn't meet kind of the, the standards, values, yep. um, rules and mores of the village, they get kicked out and they're not welcome back. Yep. And, and so it's you just turn them, turn them off.
7: I'm, I'm sorry to say, buddy, but this is what we want. It's not about what we need. It's what the community what the, that we want a paramilitary service that can go and you know solve the issues of crypto by force if need be. And well, that, that's, that's <laughs> right. Right now, you're you're the guy yeah, becoming sure, the exile.
3: That's that's a different uh, topic and level. <laughs> I if, if we want to go there, we we certainly can have that as a, a actually, conversation. Financial
1: financial incentives are very weird too. Like if you look at like briefly, right, the Luna Classic chain. Uh, for a moment there became the highest market cap chain on the cosmos, despite all of the others, quote unquote, legit chains like Adam, or, for example, just like original Luna or whatever. Like, it's funny how, like times change very quickly and very unpredictably. And um, it's not always obvious that, um, like a community is going to, Automatically be good, or we should presume that. Uh, like, obviously, if the Ukrainians uh, 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 at this point are not assuming that Russia is going to be good to them, uh, there's not really good evidence that that's going to take place. So, it, 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 you know, you can have very large, very uh, substantial local majorities do um, you know, like somehow be driven to do bad things, and and uh, it shouldn't be obvious that. So that's why, like, in American politics, another phrase that people use is like. The tree of liberty is defended with the blood of patriots or something along those lines. And, um, and, and it's that uh, it's, liberty is actually not that easy to maintain. It actually takes a lot of work.
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a several-part C-5 space. Be careful what you say. You never know who is listening. Recorded on Sunday, September 11th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday And I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing Left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception The base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalty <laughs> These sums not? of money that go to the record label Per playback Can seem
4: insultingly small many rights holders be taking around three to quarters quarters of a, a Each time to, to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that
0: for the actual even say, say they're making pennies, pennies per play